This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that is delighted, yes, delighted that Chelsea are top of the league after eight games, but to be honest, I still can't quite believe it. Now, thanks to a very convincing uh, 3-0 win at Southampton uh, and Liverpool and Man City eking out a cagey 0-0 draw, Chelsea now share the top of the table. I mean, technically, we're in second because our goal difference isn't quite as good as City's. But, hey, who's counting? Not me, that's for sure. Now, all things considered, this is some achievement. And Maurizio Sarri deserves a huge amount of credit already for getting his methods across so quickly and effectively. Of course, the players deserve credit too. After all, they're the ones that are doing it on the pitch. Now, the reality is, of course, that we are still a work in progress, albeit ahead of schedule. And there is a long, long way to go. But in my opinion, uh, of course, which is the only one that counts, uh, Sarri is moulding a team that is more than capable of making a challenge on the title this year. Of course, the big question remains, with the side currently unbeaten, how Sarri will manage the inevitable defeat or loss of form. But for now, everything in the garden is well rosy, in it? So, anyway, the Chelsea Fancast, number 436, Entitled Treble Top. There we go. Now, uh, on this show, I mean, I'll be honest with you people, it's been an absolute mare today. It's been an absolute mare. I'm so busy at the moment and fraught and everything else that I woke up this morning and realised that uh, it could have been just me and Jonathan on the show today, which would have been peculiar, to say the least. I reckon we could have done it. But uh, I thought this won't do, and I haven't got the schedule out, so basically people have assumed that they're not on it. Anyway, I got hold of the wonderful Joe Tweeds and the wonderful Alex Churchill, and they both very kindly agreed to bail me out of the large dollop of poo that I had stepped in. So uh, I'm going to introduce Joe first and say a massive thank you to you, mate. You're a star. 
No problem, mate. Happy to be on as always. Yeah, you are a star. Very, very nice of you to do this at such late notice. And of course, and a good, good day to have you on as well. We're all very happy. And uh, of course, Alex, who bailed me out in my hour of need as well. You're an absolute legend, Alex. What can I say? Hurrah! Hurrah! That'll do. <laughs> Good to have you both on, and as cool as ever, of course, uh, fresh from his stellar performance uh, on the Love Sport radio show last Friday, where again we did our best to completely corpse uh, Aaron Paul, Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Hurrah! Hurrah to you too. Uh, hurrah for all of us. Hurrah for Chelsea, mate, basically. Bloody hell. It's all too good to believe at the moment. Right, what's coming up tonight? Well, uh, on the show tonight, we're going to be discussing Ross the Boss Barkley and his coming of age as a Chelsea player with a superb assist and a goal. And uh, how far can he go? And is he the answer to Chelsea's goal-scoring midfield conundrum? Uh, In part two, uh, we look at Hazard again and the mysterious case of Alvaro Morata again. In addition, we ask, has Kepa Arizabalaga expunged Thibaut Quartar from our memory? <laughs> it, what, what are you laughing at? Well, I just felt you sort of, you, you, you sort of just skirted over his surname there. You went, you went Kepa Arizabalaga. I thought I did that quite in, well. No, you sounded completely pissed. Well, thank <laughs> you. Thank you, Ar- Mr. Ar- fucking voiceover artist. Arizabalaga. Ar- you, you think that's bad, right? I, I spent four hours on Love Sport yesterday on the breakfast show with you and Thomas, and neither of us could pronounce Khabib Nurmagomedov, whatever his name is. And none of, neither of us could do it. And in the end, we were winding each other up and making each other say it wrong and then just giggling like schoolgirls. So uh, I thought. Well, I was intrigued. Sorry, can you go carry on? I know you finished. Go yeah. on. No, I was intrigued how on the, uh, uh, the the commentary yesterday, H-O-E-D-T is pronounced hooth, according to everybody. Yeah. yeah, and of course it's not. It's pronounced hurt. Hurt. That's his hurt. name. Hurt. There but we go. Somebody has decided it's hooth. So from now on, he's hooth, the okay. poor bloke. Lovely. Can I carry on with the introduction? Oh, please. Do. Oh, thank you, Jonathan. You're all, you're all heart. Right. In I a, know. In addition to... Uh, <laughs> In addition to uh, that, we're going we're gonna to ask... I've completely screwed this up now. In addition, we ask, has Kepa Arithabalega... Better? <laughs> Better? <laughs> He's an arsehole. This isn't your strong point, mate. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just... OK. Do you know what? I actually... This is going to be hilarious. I mean, He's going to make us all do it, this aren't is, you? This is the, no, I'm not, actually. No, but I am, I, what I am going to say is that I actually looked on the... Um, there's a brilliant website that anybody who knows anything about football always checks out. For, I bet Joe knows it. It's 11 by 11 Chelsea. They basically do every club and it's brilliant. And I, I went in there to check on the uh, exact pronunciation of Aritha Balega. And uh, they didn't even have Aritha Balega. They just had Kepa. So that, that should have warned me from the start. Just call him Kepa. For God's Kepa. sake. Kepa. Anyway. So, take 572. In addition, we ask, has Kepa expunged Thibaut Quartar from our memory? Is the defence solid or vulnerable? How will we deal with a blip and can we challenge for the title? Is the third kit a turd kit? See what I've done there. And finally, an appreciation of John Terry, who announced his playing retirement yesterday. Now, in part three, we only have, Jonathan, we only have one email for him to read out. It's a cracker, though. It's a cracker. It's from our great mate from St. Lucia, who is Kenroy Justin. 
but anyway, because we've only got one, uh, it's brilliant that we can actually have some time and we can get the Mixler peeps. I've been promising them this for the last three weeks, but we've rabbited on so much we haven't actually had any time to do it. Uh, but we will have questions. We will do a Q&A with you. You can ask us anything you like. And the best thing, apart from me, Alex, and Jonathan, we've got Joe in the house tonight. And, I mean, he's, <laughs> he's a good man to ask stuff. So there you go. Now, what are you laughing at now? The fact that you think there's going to be time for questions when it's taken you 12 minutes to do well, the introduction. Yes. <laughs> fair, you know, harsh but fair, Alex, it has to be said. Anyway, if you lot didn't interrupt so much, we'd get through it quicker, wouldn't we? There I love go. that JK flustered you so much by the end of that, you couldn't even pronounce Courtois. Well, yeah. That's true, absolutely right. <laughs> okay, I'm just going to do this on my own in future, indeed. Or maybe just me and Joe in future, who's very politely, Ooh. politely kept in the background like the true professional that he is anyway um yeah right so he's, part he's watching three, telly shut up part three we've got emails well one email and we've he's got like a q a with us lot. you see this is the really annoying thing with this new mixer <laughs> thing that i've uploaded i can't mute any of you it's really <laughs> annoying anyway part three we've got one email for jonathan from kenroy justin we're gonna have a q a with our mixler listeners if they've not gone home by then. Uh, and part four, we've got the usual round of Chelsea Supporters News. Now, don't forget, you can listen to the show, which is live every Monday at 7 o'clock. Live. By going to mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea, where you can join in the chat by posting on the live chat page. And you can also tweet at Chelsea Fancast during the show to tell us what you think about the games. Anything else, of course. Uh, right, uh, after this very short break and a lie down from me and a new set of teeth, we'll be talking about Southampton versus Chelsea. back and uh first up on the topics tonight ross is a boss i used to call our, our our lovely friend who uh used to be on this podcast many many moons ago we used to call ross mooring well we used to call ross many things actually but one of the things we called him was ross is the boss well i'm afraid there is a new boss in town ross mooring uh stand up one ross barkley and i i thought it's been a really interesting week for him you know, not only has he been called up for the England squad, which I think is well-deserved, he's also, of course, uh, I'd say, put his best performance in for Chelsea. Not only did he get a start in, in, in ahead of Kovacic. I mean, I thought Kovacic might have been a bit injured, having been kicked by everybody in the last few weeks. But he got, I mean, a superb, absolutely superb assist for Hazard. I mean, not only was it a great pass, a lot of vision to go and slot that through, but um, he actually won a very meaty tackle to, to rob the Southampton player of the ball first. And then, of course, he caps it all off with a, with a goal. Not a spectacular goal, by any means. It kind of bumped off his shin. But they all count. And it's good to see him get off the mark for Chelsea. So the, the question is really what I've been pondering. Because we talked about this on the show a few weeks ago. You know, the fact that um, Hazard scores goals. We don't have a striker, to either striker, that really couldn't score goals. Yes, I know, later for that one. But... Uh, but we don't really get the goals from midfield that we used to. We don't really see Kante scoring many. We certainly don't see Jorginho scoring many. Uh, and Kovacic looks like the new Mikel 
judging by his shooting. So it was an absolute delight to see Ross Barkley looking. And he takes shots all the time as well. That's the thing. So it's it. I, I thought, you know, can he be that answer? Jonathan, I'm going to start with you. I think you've expressed it marvellously, Chidge. You've said everything that needs to be said. He's uh, Kovacic clearly can't hit the, the, the back of a, a barn door with a banjo from uh, two inches. So uh, he is the new Mikel. So what does he do? But he selects him from the beginning. And he uh, he has pots at gold. Occasionally he misses, but at least he has a shot. And I think we've experienced every single time he comes on as a sub, he has a dip much more than anybody else. And so clearly that has given him an opportunity to start ahead of Kovacic. And he he rewards us and Sarri and the team with a with a, a fantastic performance. Um so, you know, good on him and good luck to him. And I thought he was, uh, and also um, um, uh, all the uh, all the pictures that uh, Alex and I, um, well, the ones that I took of his arse, uh, I, must, <laughs> I must send you because uh, he clearly is a, he's a fit bugger. And uh, what did Sarri say? Um, uh, that he's now, he, he feels that he's learnt how to tactically um, just be part of the fabric of the team. So uh, he's coming on in leaps and bounds. And uh, um, as you said, it must be, a, uh, must be a fantastic week for him to have been selected for England and then to play so well. Um, and and it, it makes you beg this belief what he must have been doing at Everton, of course, um, because he's actually said this week, he's come out and said it's the, uh, the first time he feels that he's been learning anything. So uh, I don't think they were quite sure where he could play um, uh, I think this was this was mentioned on Match of the Day when he was on uh, at Everton because he would play um, whether he was just uh, behind the the, uh, the front two or uh, or coming up from a defensive position in midfield. But he seems to have a role to play and he's playing it very well. And I like the fact that in the eight games he's just got better and better and has evolved. And you can see the progress that he's made. And uh, good luck to him because if he can get anywhere near the the uh, um, the form that he had when he played for Everton, he played for England, but in a much more mature, contained way, then uh, uh, I think we've got a, a world beater on our hands. And you, once again, have to take your hat off to the board, who clearly realised that there was somebody there the party to the uh, 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 the fact by uh, refusing initially to sign when he was injured and then going for a snip because he's uh, he's already worth uh, much more than the 15 million we paid for him mm, I agree with all of that um Alex uh, I know you've been champing at the bit would you like to talk about Barclays bum or would you like would. to talk about football I'd like to seriously talk about his bum because not only does it beg a belief what they were not doing at Everton if he says he hasn't learned anything before he came to us, but Blue Squirrel um, says that when he came to us, uh, the Chelsea backroom staff and medical staff were rather mortified at how his injury had been handled and that effectively although he was technically a sort, sort of fit when he got here, it was best to just remove him and start again with him. And I think, yes, the bum is testament to the fact that he looks like a physique-wise a completely different person than when he was at Everton, and it's not like yeah. he's gone from being an 18-year-old to a 21-year-old since we got him. It's been a matter of months, and he's already 24, but he's so fit, and he looks so fit, and he looks so fit, like athletically fit, um, that I it doesn't even look recognisable to the player at Everton. Yeah, I think that's very true. I mean, you know, Jonathan, did you want to come in and say something? Then you were you, I, I heard you in the background. 
you know, I made a kind of <laughs> noise, okay. which I thought was which was good actually. But no, I just wanted to say um, I might just put one of the pictures that I took, okay. um, uh, encouraged by Alex, up on Twitter, so people get an idea of the of the uh, the reaction he was having with Lynn next to me and the um, that he one, was getting, and from Alex point, as well. Though, we the turned drooling around. was phenomenal. The drooling <laughs> the two, was phenomenal. Yeah. The two girls yeah. turned around at one point, and Jonathan was sat between us, completely zoned out, just staring at Barclay's ass. But like, I was waiting. No, no, watching no. the game, he just kind of drooling a little bit out the corner. No, of his mouth. I was. I do not drool over men's asses. <laughs> I was just looking, and I was just noticing that he had a very good physique. And he was about to take his shirt off. And I thought I wanted to point out when he had so I could point it out to you two. I was a kind of sort of, you know, I was like a, I was like a pimp. I was pimping. <laughs> that's what I was doing rather than being a gentleman. Okay. But, but yes. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. How, how anyway, that's all how, I want to do. How delightful. Uh, yes, very lovely. delightful. Chid, this yeah, is the kind you. of behavior you get in the uh, corporate. Well, not corporate, but the hospitality area of East <laughs> Middle. I believe they give them too much venison pie and too many dolly mixtures and not enough uh, Smarties. Now, Smarties. Can I, can no, you can't. You can be quiet. No, you, so, have no, to you let can me. be quiet. But no, I don't have to let no, you. you. I'm the presenter. I'm the presenter. And this is how it works. And we haven't heard from Joe since we started the show. So be quiet. And let's hear Joe, because he, he, I'm sure Joe's got some very erudite things to say about Ross Barkley. <laughs> um, Joe, before we, before we kick off with you, what I'd, what I'd like to, to say, well, actually fess up to, really, um, unlike me to fess up to anything, but I'm going to fess up to this. I think it might have been on a radio show a few weeks ago, but I actually said that uh, Ross Barkley kind of reminds me of Gaza in a way. You know, the, the, the way he runs with the ball and runs at defences and his ability to you know, ping quite a big... I mean, that pass he down, did to the left-hand side, I forget to whom now. It might have been Hazard, actually. Um, I, yeah, anyway, whatever. You know, and crack a shirt off. I think I think there, there are comparisons to be made. I mean, clearly, Gazza was one of the best players we've ever seen in England, so I don't think he's as good as that. But I think the comparisons are, uh, you know, you know, I think they're, they're there to be made. Yeah, I mean, I, I would probably say the same. I, I think with Barkley, what we've got, particularly for the money, is... is probably the, the best kind of squad player we've had in absolutely ages. And I don't mean that as, as any kind of disservice to, to him him sort of as a player. But I mean, if you're looking at, you know, the likes of Drinkwater and Bakayoko and some of the guys that we've had in midfield over the past maybe two, three seasons, the fact that I think Barkley can come in and, and play in Kante's position, he can play in Kovacic's position, probably allowing one of them to, to move back into uh, Jorginho's position as well. I think that flexibility that he's he's kind of giving us now is, is absolutely crucial. Um, we've sort of seen that that maybe Sari isn't at least at the moment prone to sort of massively rotating his his starting eleven. So I think the fact that he has kind of built this sort of trust up with Barkley um, over maybe the past sort of couple of weeks and, and obviously starting a Premier League game is a pretty big deal for for Barkley himself. So I think having him as kind of that sort of fourth man option in midfield is is, is really really huge because. You know, if you think about replacing him with someone like Drinkwater in that sort of uh, midfield position, I don't think you'd get anywhere near the level of, of ability that, that Barkley has. And I think it's a testament to him coming to, to Chelsea. I think there was a, a lot of questions asked about sort of what, what kind of signing he would be. And I think really that the fact that he's taken so well to Sorry's coaching, I think what Alex alluded to as well, that he, he's kind of pointed that he's never really been coached to sort of this extent. And I think, you know, with, with that kind of in mind that, maybe the, the potential that a lot of people felt he had, maybe he's got more than that to offer. So I think at the moment, what you've got is probably one of the best rotation options we've had in a very long time. And, and also potentially 
someone who could uh, who could excel, you know, kind of be on that fourth man midfield role and really push Kovacic or even Kante in uh, in certain games where we need to attack a bit more. So I was super impressed with him. Um, sort of, uh, yeah, I mean, generally his entire game against Southampton, I think you're right. The the assist, it wasn't just the the sort of pass and the way to the pass. And I think the fact that he he seems to read the game a lot better than, than when he was at Everton, the fact that he kind of read the the sort of touch and he sort of went in, quickly nipped in, sort of crunched the crunched the Southampton player and quickly gave the ball. These are kind of things that you sort of saw in fits and starts in kind of his, his time at Everton, but he seems to be piecing it together a bit more regularly now. So... I'm really, really happy for him, um, kind of individually, because yeah, coming in sort of 15 million pounds at Chelsea isn't really a a big deal these days. We sign, you know, we sign teenagers for more money than that. So, you know, it's it's a huge, I think, uh, a huge should be really should be kind of congratulated on on how well he's kind of taken his opportunity. And I think he will, you know, the more the more he plays, I think he'll give Sari problems in terms of his team selection. Which, you know, again, looking at maybe the past couple of seasons, I think you know one of the the things I think we've mentioned on the on the program a few times is that sometimes the First eleven kind of picks itself a bit too a bit too frequently. So it'd be nice to see if Barkley can kind of ask questions of, of that starting midfield three. Um, but yeah, hopefully he can continue the sort of reign of form he's in at the moment because you know the more competition we have for places, I think the, the better everyone is going to get. And I think Barkley is a, a really good reflection of that at the moment. Mm. I mean, one thing that occurs to me, Joe. I mean, he's clearly you know as as has as he stated, and and I mean a lot of people, a lot of commentators have made the same point, but he's. He seems to be learning, and I, I think it's interesting, you know, like Chelsea at the moment, really, he's a work in progress, but it's really encouraging signs. The one thing I would say, and, th- and this is really why I wanted to ask you, where does this leave Ruben Loftus-Cheek, who, you know, he had a, he had a decent performance, I thought, against Vidi, without, you know, it wasn't like a world-shatteringly brilliant performance, but it was, it was a decent performance. But, I mean, is he kind of where he, he should be, or... Or the fact that you've got Kovacic, who is clearly a very good player, and uh, Barkley, who's who's becoming a very good player. Are, are they going to stand in his way, or is he has he still got a role to play? Do you think? I mean, it's it's a tough one for him. I think actually, the more you you kind of look on the success he had at Palace, the fact that he went to the World Cup seems to be counting against him. He hasn't had mm. that that contact time with Sarri that maybe Barkley has had. And you know, if, if I'm being truthful, if I think of the the player that Loftus Cheek can be and Barkley can be, I would probably venture towards. Loftus-Cheek, I don't think really, I mean, you see some of sort of the runs he's able to do, his ability in the final third, his kind of strength. He doesn't give the ball away as, as much as as, uh, as Barkley either. I think, you know, if, if you're looking at sort of upside, I would still potentially go Loftus-Cheek because I think he has a skill set that we don't have in midfield. However, I think maybe again, it's, uh, I know Jonathan and I have, have talked about this a few times on the show this season, that I think maybe he's just one of these players who's never going to be in the right place at the right time. Um you know, he had the, the injury before the, the Capital One Cup game. You know, he's, he's kind of made his first start. But I think Sarri is, is actually been, been very uh, kind of open and fair with him. I think we've often seen managers kind of play him out of position in an, in an attempt to kind of hide these sort of tactical deficiencies that Sarri's alluding to. But, you know, you've kind of on the upside, you've got a, a sort of six foot three, six foot four powerhouse who can dribble sort of past four, five, six players like they're not there and, you know, really, really creative player. You know, I think he's very, very good on the ball. But I think on the other on the other hand, Sari's been very, very uh, quick to point out. You know, that this sort of tactical awareness. I think it's it comes from Loftus Cheek just maybe sort of cruising. I think much as a as a youngster in the, the kind of academy setup. Anyone who sort of watched him, you know, just coming through the ranks at sort of 15, 16, 17, it, the game was so easy for him. He didn't really need to 
to have that kind of level of awareness. And, you know, he's not played a huge amount of football for a 22-year-old. There's loads of things that are sort of counting against him at this point. So, I mean, part of me, I think for, for his career, I think he would do, do well to kind of move away from Chelsea in January, maybe potentially permanently go somewhere where he can settle in and, and maybe be treated a bit uh, a bit more equally amongst uh, some of the squad members. But I think if you have a coach who can can seemingly identify, you know, he's kind of really pinpointed what's wrong with what's wrong with Loftus Cheek's game. It's sort of the, the lack of awareness off the ball. I think is probably one of the sort of easiest ways to group up the the things that he's been saying about him and. If there's one coach you could probably, you know, put the time into him and invest time into him to, to kind of develop that, then I think it would be sorry. You can see the, you know, the the kind of development in in Barkley. I think Eden, Eden Hazard has, has gone on another level. I think David Luiz has, has kind of returned to form. Rudiger's really, really excelling. There's, there's a lot of players who are obviously um, sort of really, really improving in a very short space of time. And part of me would, would like to think that but Sari's comments are, they're not sort of dismissing him. They're kind of more challenging him to to kind of accept um, that, that there are some deficiencies in this game that he has to address. And, you know, I mean, I, I look at him and I think if you can if you can pick up what Sorry is asking of him, then I think, again, you know, you've got an incredibly, uh, incredibly useful midfielder who, in terms of his, his size, his technique, what he can do with the ball, you know, some of the things that he's he showed in the Vidi game. Um, you know, he's, he's a fantastic prospect, but, you know, he's 22 years of age, hasn't played a lot of football. He needs to start realising his potential. Um, whether that's at Chelsea or elsewhere, I'm not going to be sure, but... I think he's probably got a he's probably got a role here, but I think again, you know, this is someone who who is is wanting to play kind of more regularly than he is now, so he's going to have to factor that into his decision. Um, but he could be one of, of many Chelsea sort of academy products. He looked to leave the club, you know, sort of fairly shortly because of the the difficulties in, in getting the minutes. Perhaps they feel they deserve. Mm, interesting stuff, Jonathan. I'm I think you're you champing at the bit to talk about that, aren't you? Yeah, but I I wonder whether the T he should go on loan to Bournemouth. Because it's becoming apparent to me that Ernie Howe, who who was uh, uh, almost Howe? a disciple, Who's Ernie Howe? yes, at Bournemouth, Eddie Howe, is, Eddie Howe. I'm so sorry. Ernie Howe used to play for Fulham. He Doesn't did. that show you how he did? He, did. he was a centre <laughs> half years and years ago. Oh my go. God! Oh my! Uh, God. And I used to watch them quite regularly. Um, yeah, yes, Eddie Howe. Um, uh, was a, a, a disciple of Sarri's, wasn't he? He was somebody who went to he went to. Uh, watch him at Napoli to learn how to to improve his manager, managerial skills and um, and I see moments of the their ability to get the ball out of the penalty area and up the other end of the, the field their breaks are phenomenal I've also been talking about I remember saying somebody like Callum Wilson might fit in perfectly with a in a central role for us um, but I wonder if that if if that's the kind of thing he needs to do I don't even know whether it will be on loan or whether he needs to be transferred there because uh, um, I think he, he'd certainly get him into shape and he'd play regularly. And it looks like the kind of of, of team that he'd flourish in. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I'm, as, as Joe says, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I pity the poor chap. It just is that, you know, that, that the team is developing and evolving, the Chelsea team. And, uh, uh, and he's not at the moment a part of it. And I don't think he can become a part of it. Um, uh, just by the fact that other players are are getting it and improving, um, and, and joyously, it's I found I found watching um, the first twenty five minutes of the game, particularly against Southampton, uh, and I know we have an inability to to score, but nonetheless, the football being played is absolutely fantastic, fabulous stuff, and we're still not there. I keep saying this every week. He's still looking for improvement. But, you know, the, the ultimately the Morata goal with the 31 passes at the end was just absolutely phenomenal. 
and it's it's the potential of this team for me is is uh, absolutely outstanding and unfortunately it just means while all the other players are improving you've got to keep up to that standard and once again i was going on about this we don't know what's happening in training but the very fact that he's not giving him uh, a start means that that Barkley and Kovacic are are ahead of him, and as 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 Joe said, as we've said before, his timing has been unfortunate, and it was um and it almost he shouldn't have taken the time off after the World Cup. He almost wished wished for some of the players that they'd come back earlier, and then he they could did, have impressed. Just oh, he did, did he? he? Did come back oh, early? Yeah. Right. I remember now. You're right. He did. Mm. He did. Well, then clearly it hasn't it hasn't worked for him in some way. I mean, I felt I was disappointed against Vidi the other day. He seemed to run out of steam. He made two excellent runs, didn't he? He did. Really good. And one of them, he was fouled and it was a penalty, but he didn't get given it. So he got robbed of his moment of glory. But it does sound very much like he doesn't have at the moment the technical technical nous that Sarri wants. He's sort of renowned for wanting these really intelligent, smart, tactical players. Um, And he's saying that Barkley's got it, and clearly at the moment Loftus Cheek hasn't. Well, um, Barkley seems to be learning, doesn't he? Because we've seen an improvement. Well, you I know, think I mean, the next couple of weeks are really important for Loftus Cheek because he's at training and he's not going anywhere, is he? No, of course not. Ringman. Absolutely, so absolutely. He's got Sarri's eye for the next couple of weeks, and I think he really needs to make a point. Mm. You wonder to what extent he might be giving him one-on-one in the way that Conte used to do. It might so, be that uh, if he's around. So, so basically, Loftus Cheek has has been made to stay behind, and he'll have one to one tuition. I used to have that all the time, actually. When I was <laughs> but you uh, improved Chidge as a consequence, well, didn't you? Well, that, that's like, not for me to judge, Jonathan. Um, Alex, I'm going to give you the final word to allow you to say what it was you wanted to say when I rudely talked all over you because I wanted to talk to Joe. Unless it's gone. No, it was no, it hasn't gone. It was just a hilarious story about the Dolly mixtures and Smarties, okay. whereby Jonathan had them all scurrying around in corporate <laughs> looking for Smarties because he was not happy that the jars were overly full of M and M's and Skittles and Skittles. I don't it. like Skittles. They tolerated this nonsense and emerged with three tubes of Smarties for him, which just made him even more likely to do it again. Well, there you go. Listen, just to wrap up, that's, that is funny. And I, and I loved your blog. Uh, that I actually quoted your blog on the Love Sports Show, funnily enough. It was very, very funny. Anyway, um, just to quickly round up this one, then, let's do a bit of a... Let's go all talk sport, shall we? So, uh, round the table... Who thinks that Loftus-Cheek will uh, break into Chelsea or go? So I'm going to start with Joe. Stay or go? I think he'll end up going in the summer. Okay, so it's a go for Joe. Jonathan? It's a go from me too. It's a go for Jonathan and uh, Alex. I don't think he'll want to hang around long enough to make it a stay. I think he'll go before he breaks in. I think he'll go in the summer. Mm, I, I, sadly, I mean, I, I you know, it would be very typical of me to say I think he's going to stay just to be found a member of the awkward squad. But sadly, I'm I'm inclined to agree with you largely because of the the rise of Barkley and uh, and how good Kovacic. Although, of course, the irony is Kovacic might be gone by the end of the season. And uh, Barkley is prone to injury. And Barkley so. is prone to as is as is Loftus Cheek. To be fair, yeah, yes. But um, yeah, I mean, it would be sad to see him go. I really would love to see him make it happen. But you know, the old adage is true: if you're good enough, you make it. It's as simple as that. I, I know it's tough at Chelsea, but 
you know, there are no gimmies. Anyway, uh, that's good. I enjoyed that. That was fun. Now, after the break, uh, we're going to look at Hazard again, and we're going to look at the uh, the mysterious case of Alvaro, Alvaro, Alvaro Morata. God, not in tonight. <laughs> and uh, I, I was so worried about saying Avisa Balega that I uh, that I stumbled on Alvaro, Jonathan. I've anyway, jinxed you. I've you jinxed, you, jinxed you, Chief. I'm sorry. You, I apologise. Anyway, in I addition, have. we're going to ask, has uh, Kepa Aretha Balega expunged Thibaut Courtois from our memory? <laughs> Is the uh, defence solid or vulnerable? How will we deal with a blip? And can we challenge for the title? And is the third kit a turd kit? I think it is, and I got loads of grief on Twitter from it. Bastards, how dare you? Anyway, and finally, of course, we must have a Chelsea fan cast appreciation of Sir John of Terry, John George Terry, who announced his playing retirement yesterday. We'll be back in a sec. The only place for Chelsea fans. Footballfancast.com. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. Right, welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast. This is your uncle Chidge speaking. And uh, I'm actually, you see, now I've started the show, I'm in tremendous form. I'm in, gra- I'm in great, all day I've been wound up, stressed out, mainly by technology, and I've been a bear with a sore head. But now I've started the show, talking to all my chums, I'm feeling much better. Now, uh, a quick reminder, of course, that we, we occasionally have some fantastic blogs that go up on the ChelseaFanCast.com website. Uh, Dean Mears, who writes for us, is in Mixler at the moment. I'd love and Dean I'd... to tell me, by the medium of Mixler, whether Gion has put his bloody blog up yet. And if he hasn't, I will try tonight and set you up an account, Dean, because this is daft. Anyway, enough of that. We've got the lovely Jonathan. We've got Jonathan Scratchy Kid with us tonight. Scratch, scratch, scratch. Each, each, each. Have a shave, mate. Or put your mic away from your beard. Um, we've got the delightful, delectable, uh, probably the most popular historian in Winchester, Ms. Alexandra Churchill. Hello. Okay. I've just re- I'm being keeping to the back because I've realised I forgot to put the blog on the Fancast website. Did you now? As I go off to do it quickly now, yes, I did. <laughs> okay, okay, it's all right. I'll I'll recover. Um, anyway. Finally, and by no means last, last but by no means least, uh, the fantastically erudite Mr. Joe Tweedy. Evening, kids. Lovely stuff. Right now, loads and loads and loads and loads to discuss in this part. So uh, let's start again. Let's start start with Hazard. Really, I mean, one has to. Again, he was superb. Again, he scored a fantastic goal. Uh, it's just he's absolutely on fire. He's on fire. There's no other way to put it. Um, I mean, you know, jokingly, I think, uh, Maurizio Sarri said, you know, pretty much at the start of the season that uh, he wants Hazard to improve. In fact, he keeps saying he wants Hazard to improve. And the point he was making is that he really wants him to score 40 goals in a season, which, of course, we all laughed at and said, you must be bonkers. But actually, he scored seven in eight so far. So if he carries on in this run of form, he probably will make 40. Um, but I mean, the question is, I'm going I'm to start with Joe on this. I mean, you know, what, what has happened to him? What has turned, I mean, it's how I, I hesitate to say turned his form around because he's always been bloody brilliant, but he's really taken it to a new level this year. What, what, why do you think that is Joe? 
I mean, I think there's there's two very very obvious things that stand out to me. And I, I kind of tweeted this the other day that that I know we're not big on data on this show, but um, well, this that, is only me. I, I allow everybody else. Well, to I, I think it's it's useful if you're not trying to make some kind of weird statistical model about football. I think if you can explain something simply, it's it's not too bad. But he's he's taking at least uh, one shot more per game in the Premier League now, and that's more than any shots he's ever managed his entire career. You, kind of average that over a season, it's at least another 38 shots. So I think in terms of his goal-scoring ability, we're actually seeing him, I think, starting to take some of these chances that maybe in seasons gone by, he might have tried to sort of, you know, kind of set someone else up or or maybe have tried to play someone else in. I think he's being a little bit more ruthless in, in front of goal. I think the, the second thing is, it's just the, the position that Sari has kind of given to him. I think it's it's become very obvious now that he... He has complete license and freedom to just go wherever he wants. And I think that this is probably most, uh, or at least, least kind of easily identifiable in the, the, the amount of times he's touching the ball sort of in kind of central areas now. You know, he's he's not just confined to this left-hand side and he's he's rotating with Whelan and Pedro regularly. I mean, for the goal to, that he scored, I mean, he was obviously, you know, we kind of, uh, the sort of possession was lost. But the fact that he was, he was almost playing as kind of a secondary striker or almost as a centre-forward in that kind of area that he was already in. So I think there, there's a real push from from Sarik to give him the freedom to, to just kind of go and do as he wants. And, you know, he's he's at a point in his career now where he's intelligent enough to to know the areas that he can drift into um, to sort of hurt teams the most. And I think, I can't remember who mentioned it in commentary on BT Sport um, at the weekend, but, you know, he, he goes into areas where the, the you either, you can man mark him, but you're just going to be marking Finnair. Um, or you know he he challenges is um, kind of the the opposition into into making mistakes and you know there's a lot of uh, of I think he, as well kind of yeah I mean he's he's just so much further up the pitch now in Sari's system the the sort of comparison to last season I think he's averaging more touches per game he's he's on the ball more he seems to be more central to everything and I think it's it's finally you know a lot of people have maybe made the point that, you know, playing under Mourinho and Conte, two kind of fairly pragmatic managers, um, sort of no disrespect to, to obviously what they've won here with, with Hazard in the team. But, you know, there is a, a kind of an element of, of fun and, and almost sort of uh, kind of organised chaos with, with Sorrow that I think completely sits Hazard to the ground. And, you know, I think it's the first time that, that he's kind of openly spoken about really enjoying the style of football that Chelsea are playing the sort of philosophy of the manager, how it kind of suits him. And I think that there's just a number of factors in, in him just being this, you know, if he was, you know, kind of world-class already, I think he's, he's kind of really sort of catapulted himself into to the kind of top, top five players in the world sort of conversation. So, yeah, I, I just think it's, it's a, it's a massive combination of, of elements that Sari's implemented, but I think probably most of all is just, just maybe taking the handbrake off him a little bit, freeing him of some of that responsibility defensively that he's, he's maybe had in the past and just saying, look, you know, you're going to be our main attacking outlet. The game is going to go through you. Go go wherever you want. Do whatever you want. We're always going to have people to, to kind of defend uh, behind you. You don't have to worry so much about, about tracking back, etc. And, and just go and be a nuisance. And I think you can see almost in, in every game this season, I think he's maybe had one off game um, kind of in total. He's just been unplayable. And, you know, there, there comes a point where you just have to just kind of stand and applaud. I mean, the, the goal was fantastic, but I mean the assist, uh, the kind of the the, the linking of, of play and the kind of in- intricacy that led to that Morata goal. I mean he's he's becoming a goal scorer and one of the best playmakers in the league as well. So, you know, how do you stop him on this form? And I don't think the, the the answer really is you can't. You know, he's just he's just been absolutely exceptional. And I think Sari's got a lot to do with it. 
Mm. I think Sarri's style is tailor-made for his greatness. Yep, I really do, because it, he, he spends so much time in the opposition half uh, and running things. And because it is the, the style is, is so sp- supposed to be spent in the opposition half. You pre- I, was, I, I felt, the, particularly the first 25 minutes, the whole press worked absolutely wonderfully, that they could not deal with it. They were on PT Sport. They were going on about, well, they seem to be, you know, they're not making, they're not, they're, they're not being involved enough, Southampton. They were absolutely incapable of doing it by the, the absolute excellence of the Chelsea side. Constantly on top. You saw, I think Canty is really going into the role so much better than he was. He's just right on top of the play every time. And it's completely... It, it, Hazard is in his element as a consequence of this and is absolutely loving it, you can see, because he, he doesn't have to come back. Well, he can come back and defend if necessary, but the whole ethos of the team is attacking and quick passing. I mean, I've said this from the very beginning. If it works, we have enough skillful players to make this more skillful than Napoli ever were, to make this a phenomenally successful side. And it is joyous. I am the joy of watching this team at the moment for me is is just um, uh, it's, it overtakes everything. I was just sitting there, well, not in disbelief, but thinking, God, we're such a great side at the moment. We've still got ages to go. You know, I mean, all right, Southampton aren't a great side, got a great team, but we we still we still showed implementing the the his tactics really showed our superiority and the fact that they've, they're getting better and better with it all the time. And he is completely in his element, Hazard, for me, in this, in this setup. Mm. And that's, what, that's why he loves it as well. And that's why and everybody else is giving him the ball. And that's why he can, he can run it. And that's why I think Sarri thinks he can score 40 goals because yeah. he's, you know, he, he's got that ability and he's there in the penalty area all the time. But no, anyway. wonderful, one, wonderful Hazard performance. Wonderful, again. But... There's a big but here because Alex, oh, you know, God. he was uh, uh, in, quoted in, well, I, I saw it in the standard. I don't know where it came from originally, but in his own, uh, I have to say, you know, very measured way, whenever he gets asked these questions, he always says, you know, on the one hand, I, it's my dream to play with Real Madrid, but on the other hand, I love Chelsea and all the rest of it. So, you know, he's very careful with what he says. And actually, I think in some respects, he needs to be applauded for that. And I think it's, again, evidence of a, he's a very level-headed and, and nice chap. But uh, do we need to be, I mean, you know, on the one hand, Alex, having said on the one hand already, but on the one hand, do we need to be more worried because he's playing so well and he's therefore more of an attractive buy for Real Madrid? Um, or, 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 you know, is he going to go or is he going to stay, Alex? Tell me. For me, it was astonishing he stayed another season. Um, I thought he was gone in the summer. I think the only reason he didn't go was because Zidane wasn't there. If Zidane had still been in charge of Real Madrid, we wouldn't have seen him for dust because it's his dream to play for him. Um, I fully expected in August that this would be the last season I'd be seeing Eden Hazard. Um, I would love him to stay and never, ever, ever, ever leave us. But if he does, it's not because he's a snake and it's not because he's a little bitch. It's because he's been here for... Six, seven years there by then. Well, he came, yeah, six yeah, years now, did, isn't it? He's done, he's played at all the grounds in England. He would have won all the trophies in England. Um, maybe not realised any European aspirations he had when he joined us because we'd just won the Champions League. Um, 
but he'd be leaving to try something else before he retires. And I can't hate him for that because you only get one shot at a very short career. And he's been honest about it from the start that he'd, he'd always like to try playing in Spain. And his window is closing. He's getting into his late 20s now. And I just, I, I wouldn't be able to hate him for it. I really wouldn't. I think he's, like you say, he's measured. He's not disrespectful. He's not a Tebow that's going to get, if he does get a backlash like that, then the people that do it will be wrong. Yeah, I agree with that. Do you know what? It kind of reminds me of, of something. I'm, I'm desperately trying to... Uh, here we go. Yeah, I mean, it reminds me very much of uh, the situation United were in with Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, you know, he, he left United and he left, I think, at the absolute top of his game. Uh, and then, uh, although... I mean, didn't he, did he not leave after the... Maybe he was there for another year after they beat us in the Champions League, but anyway, he, he you know he left United and then went on to become the Cristiano Ronaldo we know today, which is one of the greatest players the world's seen. And it does remind me of that. And he he was at United for six years, although of course I suspect he was a lot younger, wasn't he? Because he joined United when he was about seventeen or eighteen. So mm. we we got Hazard when he was what twenty one. So, so yeah, Hazard's born I think nineteen ninety or nineteen ninety one. So it, the window for him signing for a top top Spanish club is closing. Um, so it's how much he wants it. But then they're in complete disarray at the moment. So maybe he won't want to be a part of that. Maybe. But, he'll but also, I read that they couldn't they couldn't Sarah. pay for him. I read that yeah. they couldn't pay for him recently. Yeah. Couldn't pay was, for who, J.K. For Hazard, they can't afford him at they the moment. They can't afford him. No, they've got some terrible um, financial thing going on at the moment. Mm. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, if they're sacking managers and they're looking awful and we look great under Sarri and we storm back into the Champions League, then maybe he won't want to leave. But if he did, it wouldn't surprise me, but I wouldn't hate him. Anyway, we'll find out soon enough, won't we? Anyway, let's talk about uh, somebody that we hope will end up being a decent player for us. Um, the mysterious case of Alvaro, Alvaro Morata, um, you know, he scored two good goals in, in, you know, in two games. I mean, the goal against Vidi was superb, I thought, and the goal against uh, Southampton was superb as well. But combined with that, we've had at least 20 astonishingly bad misses, including one in the Southampton game, really. Um, my, my view, and I've said this over the last week, he, he's better when he doesn't actually have to think about it, when he just... You know, it's that when he can rely on his instinct, his instinct is good and he puts it away. But that aside, you know, he scored two and two, uh, which is a vast improvement on what we had uh, for the back end of last season. So, Joe, has he has he turned a corner? Can we believe that he's turned a corner or do we still worry that, you know, basically there's something quite, you know, amiss mentally that means he just isn't going to make it? I think for, for me, it's interesting that he has started to look a bit more confident in front of goal now that Giroud is, is almost the established first choice. And I think this this maybe, again, speaks to his his mentality. I mean, we had uh, sort of Buffon and, and other kind of teammates talk about sort of how fragile his mental state is. And I, I, I was it the Vidi goal where he was incredibly emotional sort of after he scored as well. And I mean, it, for me, it's really tough to say that he's, he's turned the corner. Um, for the amount of money that's been invested in him, I think the, the, the kind of honest and, and maybe slightly painful question to ask is, is this a guy who is going to lead you to the Premier League title? You know, is he a, is he a Diego Costa, Sergio Aguero type striker? Or not? I think at the moment, you know, unless there is a, a huge improvement in his game, um, that you'd have to say no. And yeah, you know, they were, they were two really, really fantastic finishes. Um, 
again, I think in both games he missed probably easier chances. And I think, again, what you're saying, Chidge, is, is absolutely spot on. This is a guy who seems to be kind of of the Kalu mindset where, you know, the, the more difficult the finish, the more or the less time you have to think about something, the more likely it is that he's going he's gonna to score. And, you know, I think he's he's been bought kind of for, by Chelsea as, as sort of this punt on this kind of obviously up and coming player who had this incredible goals to goals to games or goals to minutes ratio at Madrid and Juventus. But I think what we're seeing is, is a, as the number one player, as the number one guy, I just, I just don't think he's going to cut it. I mean, I, I wasn't super overly enamoured when we signed him in the first place, but, you know, it's, it's one of those things where is, is he now playing slightly better because there's less pressure on him because Giroud is kind of taking the mantle. And even then you kind of look at Giroud and say, yeah, OK, I think he's, he's got a better all-round game. But again, it's, 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 not a, it's not a huge goal threat from Giroud. So, yeah, you know, I'd, I'd like to say that he's turned the corner, but I mean, I suppose the question is to where, you know, is he going to become a a top-level striker that this team needs. I think we need goals. Um, you know, it's not just going to be hazard in a kind of smattering of other players that, that score. We really need a, a forward who's going to contribute quite significantly. And, you know, it's OK him scoring, uh, you know, the third goal against Southampton. And, and obviously, I mean, it was an important goal against Vidi, um, which I, I definitely won't take away from him. But I just, I don't see a huge improvement in his all-round game um, from, from last season. And that's probably the more concerning thing to me is I would like to see, just see a bit more development in, in the way he plays the game. I think Mike Halloween really broke him down very well after the, I think it was the VD performance in, in midweek, just saying that some of the, some of the things he does as a forward, isn't necessarily kind of natural. He doesn't seem like a natural finisher. Some of the, the angles he takes, the runs he makes, you know, the, the, the kind of inability to sort of link play and hold the ball up. These are things that I would expect fundamentally a striker to kind of have at his age for hit for the, the kind of amount of money we paid for him. So, you know, I, I, I hope with, with kind of all the will in the world that he does come good because, you know, you've, You've sunk 56 million, possibly 70 million pounds into a player. You want them to come good, but the more that I see him, even with the with the goals, I'm not hugely convinced that he's going to be the sort of the main man for us going forward. Well, having said that, Joe, I mean Jonathan, you you and I were talking about this earlier. Um, you know that 31 pass move that led to Morata's goal. I thought his diagonal run there was brilliant. I mean, okay, you needed Hazard to find him as well, but I mean, you know, see, I, the thing is. I think Joe Joe's kind of questioning his ability in a way. I, I've got no issue with his talent. I think he's got all the talent in the world. What my issue is with his mentality. And Can I sad, just... sad, sadly, Jonathan, you need both. I think to succeed at the top level. Well, as we discussed on Friday, you were worried about his uh, his uh, mental health. Oh, well, that was the behaviour in the the other behaviour in the Vidi game, wasn't it? With the yeah. at the referee and yeah, which which I don't is mind a con- him crying constant after scoring pattern. A, I don't mind him crying after scoring a goal. I think that's brilliant. But uh, I do worry about his, his descent and losing his rag at the referee because he gets a little knock. You know, that's not on. He seems to have a, a view as, as to what is a foul that is completely uh, alien to every single referee that he encounters because he just seems to get any kind of nudge or he's flattened his back and he, he, he then gets very worked up. Did he get booked again in the, um, in the Southampton game? I'm not sure. I'm not sure, actually. Yeah, no, I don't. It was all them that got booked. It was half their yeah. team. I don't think any of ours got a yellow. Yeah. yeah. So there we go. Alex, you were about to leap in, my love. What were you going to say? Just that. Has anyone else noticed that the summer we bought him, he got married, started drying his wife's hair, had a couple of kids, and he's just been a sap ever since? Mm. Just putting it out there. As a girl, I can say that because like, it's about babies. Are, are you saying he's a bit too girly? 
Are you, I'm just are saying you... that he's completely, his, his penis is inverted and he's turned into a big girl. All he does yeah. is whine and complain and it, it's very frustrating when, I mean, in the world of football, when you want to, you just need to sort of fight your way through that stuff, don't you? When you're not playing well, you just have to put your back into it and that's what people want to see. They don't want to see you on Instagram wielding a hairdryer and I'm just saying... I just, mm. I've not, I've just, I've had, a, I've just like rolled my eyes at any Maratinus ever since I saw the picture. If a bloke came near me with a hairdryer, I'd be like, "What are you doing?" Mm. Well, on the other hand, I mean, I, I think what we're saying is he's become a bit soppy since he's yeah. become a father. But you know, on the other hand, if if he kind of you know dug deep into his primal origins, he would realise that he now needs to go off and be a hunter gatherer and bash people over the head to bring well, home exactly. bacon for his wife and his kids. Yeah. Or even his hidden is in a orangutan. That's what mm. he needs to to chat. In, in a chimp, Jonathan. It's a good book, worth a read. You need to. We all need to get get into our inner chimp. Anyway, um, talking of chimps or chumps, really, uh, I'm talking about Thibaut Courtois here, who uh, who I'm delighting in his errors at Real Madrid. Uh, I really couldn't wish it. I mean, I really. I know it sounds very bitchy and catty, but I'm 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 reveling in his. Lack of success at Madrid. Anyway, uh, the fact is, we don't have to worry about him anymore. He's he's past. He's history. Uh, I thought Kepa Arithabelega made oh, some outstanding saves against Southampton and some outstanding saves against Vidi to go with the outstanding save he made against Liverpool. Um, and frankly, you know, to be really honest, I think pound for pound... You know, he's making better saves more regularly than Courtois did. Now, OK, there's another... We'll get on to this in a minute. That might be because we're a bit more vulnerable in defence than we were in, uh, than, than we were under Conte and Mourinho. But there's no doubt that this keeper has got some ability. He may be young, but my goodness me, he looks like a good prospect. Um, so, um, you know, Joe, is, 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 he, is he a better bet than Courtois? I mean, we all want to forget Courtois, obviously. Uh, am I just getting a bit ahead of myself, Joe? Um, I don't actually. I don't think so. No, I mean, I think it's it's fairly obvious to you know, anyone who's watched Courtois over the past, I don't know how many seasons he's been at Chelsea. His inability to kick a football in a straight line at times was was quite baffling. I know he's a goalkeeper, but I mean his his ability with his feet was was mm. absolutely atrocious. And they were, you know, too, far, the, they were too far from his brain, Joe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And getting um, down as well. That was yeah, terrible. Yeah. And I think what what you see with with Kepo, I mean, is the, uh, I mean, you know, his his distribution with his feet is incredible. He actually he's kind of playing passes into people in midfield that you'd expect, you know, David Luiz or Fabregas to hit, which I think is is kind of very sort of subtly an, an incredible weapon to have that you don't have to necessarily play out through your centre backs or your full backs all the time. Your goalkeeper can actually ping the ball into Hazard or to to Kante or to, to Kovacic, etc. But picking up on what Alex said there, I think actually it's so nice to have a, a goalkeeper who can actually get down and is incredibly agile. You know, I think he kind of reminds me a little bit of Carlo Cudicini. You know, he he's not the he's not the tallest goalkeeper I think we've had, but that's maybe because you're right, Courtois was about six foot six, wasn't he, or six foot five. Um, but this sort of agility that he has, these, these incredible reflexes, the, the, the save that he made low down, I think it was in the video games or sort of down to his right-hand side, 
you know, th- these are these are saves that you would associate with with top class, you know, world class goalkeepers. And I think a lot of people maybe don't don't know that actually Madrid desperately tried to sign him in January um, ahead of Courtois. He was their first choice, but for for whatever reason they couldn't they couldn't kind of finalise a deal with with Bilbao. So you know, Madrid have have obviously kind of pinpointed him as their sort of next number one and. Maybe they they've gone to back to Courtois because of the the buyout for a goalkeeper, obviously being a, a world record fee. But you know, I think someone at the club should be commended, and, and maybe it's Hilario. You know, and I know that, that Hilario had spotted uh, the the Polish club have got in goal um, Bulka um, that Hilario had spotted in previously. So whoever actually picked up the, on Kepa, I think should be commended because it's a lot of money to obviously invest in a goalkeeper. But given his age and, and his kind of talent, and I think he just fits this kind of modern style of goalkeeping incredibly well. But I think unlike some goalkeepers who are incredibly good with a fit, he, he seems to be just a really good goalkeeper as well, which obviously is is maybe a, a kind of bonus where, where a lot of goalkeepers tend to be pretty good with a fit, but maybe not as great at, at goalkeeping. So I think, yeah, I think he's been an exceptionally good signing, uh, probably one of the best signings we've made in recent mm-hmm. times. And and he also just seems to be quite a nice, you know, quite a nice uh, person as well. You know, you don't Did have you that. Did you read the interview with him? Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. yeah, yeah, he just seems to be like one of the sort of nicest players that we signed and you know when you kind of sort of juxtapose it with with Courtois and you know Courtois every time it was on international duty he would say something um and actually I think it was quite interesting today that Hazard has maybe inadvertently kind of thrown him under the bus a bit because you know Hazard said I don't want to kind of leave like Courtois where I kind of told the club that I'd sign a contract and then I'd go so I think a lot of people who are maybe said you know kind of saying to the club why didn't they sort out Courtois contract it kind of feels like maybe Courtois said in January that he would commit to signing a new deal at the end of the season and then kind of reneged on that. So, you know, I think, uh, you know, Kepa hopefully is, is going to be here long term and he's obviously got like a, a seven year deal. So, you know, he's got a pretty significant contract as well. So, yeah, I'm, I'm so, delighted with him. And I think yeah, he's. They, they, sorry, Joe. They, I was going to say they obviously realised he was good. Otherwise, they wouldn't have signed him to a seven year deal. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Good work all around, Chelsea. Jonathan. Joe talking there about his agility. What what was sprunging into my mind? Peter the Cat Bonetti, mate. Yes, yes. Not not a huge man, but great uh, great uh, uh, ability to spring up and push the ball away. Um, yeah, there's something about him that uh, we don't look at him and think, oh, is he going to be rubbish this game? Which we used to do occasionally with Courtois. We used to think, mm. what mood is Courtois in? Can he keep um, his legs closed? Yeah, that that aspect as well. Um, and uh, the fact that he, uh, 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 this business of being able to play the ball out with either foot is very commendable as well. He said in his interview um, that he he's playing a lot more with his feet than he ever thought he would when he signed for Chelsea, but that it doesn't phase him because it's something that's been drilled into them through all the um, age groups with Spain. So that's why he's not. Clown, but clearly not with Belgium. Belgium. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say possibly on the to-do list for Belgium from now on. Having can I can I just bring a point up a second, which has nothing to do with anything that's written down on our script, but was just very interesting. Have a chat, having a chat with my my the the foreman of doing some building work for me at the moment, who is I think I mentioned before is a referee's assessor. And he, he, my theory has always been that referees go on the pitch with ego and don't want to be undermined and that they will therefore pay no attention to linesmen and linesmen won't be willing to give, um, they'll see something but they won't flag because they, the referee has said, I, if I am nearer to it, I will make the decision and you won't. 
And I've always had that theory since I was told when I was refereeing uh, as a linesman only to do um, offside and ball in and out of play, um, which I always used to ignore and flag for things that I'd seen and then be told off by the referee but who, would then, who would then love the fact that uh, I'd spotted somebody kicking or punching somebody else and then send them off with great glee. But um, to hear this from a really top man who's, who's a, a, a county assessor, that referees, he said, the reason, for example, that the linesman didn't flag when the ball um, uh, in the uh, Newcastle United game hit whoever it was on the on the elbow, and he, uh, what was it, Taylor just gave a goal kick, mm. was that he was looking, and the linesman didn't want the linesman saw that he was vaguely near the incident, and therefore didn't flag because he had said, "I'm I'm the one who makes the decisions here." And this permeates the whole of our football. And so VAR must come in because they'll be found out and they'll change as it did with the cricket. They'll start changing their, their, uh, the way they view things. But it means that, well, unlike in rugby, for example, when both linesmen have, are referees and just will, well, obviously in football they're referees as well, but they have the status of a referee and they are keen to see incidents and will flag and point them out. Still, we have this archaic way of refereeing where some, somehow the referee has a great power that the linesman doesn't want to, to um, interfere with. An example would be um, Kante running into the penalty area and then tugged down by the shirt, practically, and the referee doesn't give a penalty. And that's and the one thing the, you could see from the other end with that bloody shirt. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And the referee and the linesman doesn't flag, and it's just in front of the linesman. And it's because he, he's been told not to do so. He's been told the referee's nearby. The referee must have seen it. So they're all constantly second-guessing each other. And it, it is frightful that that is still going on. So please bring, let's bring VAR in as soon as possible to get rid of this idiocy, of this status-driven bloody refereeing. Because it explains so much to me that why, why linesmen don't flag when it's so obviously in front of them. But that was an example. It wasn't even mentioned on Match of the Day that. He was tugged to the floor practically by the shirt. It's ignored. There was, should have been a penalty. Chelsea should have won 5-0 in the end against Southampton. As with the other, the other free kick, um, the other with uh, Giroud being fouled. Once again, the linesman had a much better view of it. But because the referee saw it in real time when it was in front of him, he always has the decision. They, it's, it's so ego-driven. It is appalling. Anyway, I digress. Sorry to well, go that's off on okay. that. That's OK. No, but... no, no worries. Now, let's move on to... I think that's a brilliant point. Well made, actually, JK. Here, bloody here. Because I thought Paulson was his usual complete oh, rubbish dreadful. yesterday. Oh, dreadful. But anyway, look, look, look let's, let's move on. Because I want to talk about uh, the defence. Because Chips Chiverton, our great mate uh, on Mixler, was moaning about half an hour ago saying we, we were all kind of full of the joys of spring about how wonderful Chelsea are. None of us were talking about uh, the fact that Ch- Southampton made... You know, had some very, very good chances, which a better True. side would have scored. Uh, and that, that makes me want to question the defence, because I'm, I'm a bit conflicted by this. And this is why I said the defence solid or vulnerable, because, you know, <clears throat> Sarri, Sarri said this as well. He says they, the defence definitely needs to improve. Uh, and, and as I said in Southampton yesterday, the, you know, we always look very, very vulnerable 
uh, to a counter-attack when we lose the ball. But having said that, uh, I, th- I think that recently, you know, Rudiger and Louise are looking a fantastic defensive partnership. Jonathan mentioned it earlier. Uh, they they look look very on it. And the stats back this up. I mean, we've we've only conceded six goals in 11 games so far, and we've had six clean sheets out of 11. Out of 11. That's not bad. So my question is, uh, and I'll ask uh, Alex this first, actually. But you know, are, are we, you know, are, are we lo- are we good defensively, or are we vulnerable? And the third pit of this, Alex, is: is it the defence that's a problem, or is it actually the midfield? And the fact is that we lose the ball there, and we don't track back, and we leave the, de- the defence exposed. I mean, Joe, I know will answer this sagely, but I'm very interested in your take on it, Alex. I'll get mine over with quickly, then, and Joe can waffle to his heart's content. No, no, I don't think... do it as long as you like, my love. I think uh, part of the reason we haven't, well, the reason we're doing so well is that Rudiger has improved so much since last season. Um, he's really, really strong at the back now. I think maybe the relationship with him and Lewis will become more comfortable. Um, I think they're also still getting used to working with Kepa, who, thank God, is a lot more vocal than Courtois ever was as well. He tells them where he wants them to go. He doesn't just stand there and look at them with a dopey look on his face and then complain when they get it wrong. Um, I think for me, if there are still some games like yesterday, um, Azpilicueta had a nightmare yesterday up against Redmond and Bertrand. He did. Um, they really ran him ragged in the first half. Um Alonso is better as a as a left back than I ever thought he would be, um, but maybe I mean oh, I think as individuals they're all doing well, but is the sum of their parts? I don't know. Is it strong enough to be Personally, changing right at the top? I think I'm afraid it's down to us, Pilaqueta, who's had the worst season I've ever seen him have for us, because everything went down the left side there. Yesterday, yeah, I think Louise as well. I I do love him, but he is prone to a right cock up as well. well I, I thought he had a great game yesterday, yesterday, and he had a great game against Vidi. So yeah, you know, I'm not buying that. I mean, what I would say, uh, we were talking about Kepper a minute ago, uh, and I think, and the other thing is, is that the only area that he's not that Sarri has not changed for every big game has been that defence. So he's clearly a manager after my own heart which is that you play the same back five as much as you can so they get used to each other, so they become a real unit. I'm and sorry, I actually, sorry, I sorry actually think that say, they are. I actually think that they are. When he's brought Christensen in, he's had errors in him. I think when he's brought Cahill in, he's done very well. Um, but yeah, you're right, he is. I, I just think, I, I think they can be better as a unit, but I don't think it's because any of them... I, Dave didn't have a particularly good game yesterday, but I don't think it's because any of them are bad right now. I just think it's a time thing. Well, I, I think it might be something to do with the midfield, and I'm hoping that the uh, the tactics wizard, Mr Joe <laughs> Tweedy, can answer this dilemma for us. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that you point it out, Jish, because I think the, the the kind of theme of, of Sari's comments sort of post-match seem to be kind of around the collective and not sort of really pinpointing the back four. Mm. I mean, I, I don't think Azpilicueta is having a great time kind of readjusting to being a right-back, but I think, to, to, again, to, to Alex's point, I think that for, for Azpilicueta is more a question of the fact that he just hasn't played there for a very long time. 
it's I think there is a huge balance at the moment in, in kind of the midfield and it sort of see it whenever we have the ball. I mean, it, it's it's kind of all well and good sort of having this kind of concept of overloading play and having everyone forward. But, you know, you've often got, in, in most cases, both Alonso, Azpilicueta, both Kovacic, Kante or, or, you know, Barkley or who, whoever it is, plus Hazard and Pedro and William all ahead of the ball. So as soon as we kind of lose possession, I think you see teams uh, kind of, there's so much space to counter-attack in, particularly down the flanks. And I think Redmond, and uh, there was one cross that I think Bertrand put in particularly, uh, I think might, might be during the first half, where they, they absolutely should have scored. Um, I think that really came from from some of that space that's there. And I think that that's going to be the the major adjustment that, that Sarri needs to kind of get that sort of balance right. It was something that he, by kind of the end of his time at Napoli, had that, that really kind of sorted in terms of almost like a, a pendulum sort of swinging left to right in terms of kind of the, the pressure that we put on teams. At the moment, it feels a bit like We've almost got every midfielder, Bar Jorginho, ahead of the ball, both full-backs, both wingers. Do you have to say yesterday, though, that the reason Barkley could do so much going forward is because Kante did everything at the back and the balance yeah. was quite good yesterday? Yeah, I mean, he's. I think one of the ways he's tried to combat it is actually he's he's tried to push uh, kind of Kante slightly more centrally when we don't have the ball. Um, I think early on in the season, we saw him really, really high up the pitch trying to win the ball back. And I think while that's still the case, I think now he's he's maybe trying to drop him in to help Jorginho kind of uh, cover a screen the back for a little bit more. Maybe, I think, because I think at the moment our fullbacks are just incredibly high up the park. But it's going to be it's going to be really interesting to see how we how we kind of you know continues to develop that system going forward. And I think, again, in terms of sort of the, the structure of the back four, I do think Sorry was was fairly interested, or at least it felt fairly interested from the, the kind of newspaper stories in signing a a centre back over the summer. Um, you know, we were quite heavily linked to to the what's it the the, the guy Rigani. Yeah, Rigani, and then the the, the other guy, Candre, I can't remember the guy's name. He's uh, also another guy at Juventus. So I, I would be maybe a little bit surprised if we don't try and go back in for a centre back in in January. Um, I think it's it's one of the positions that maybe kind of Sarri's identified as he wants someone a bit, uh, maybe a bit younger, um, maybe a little bit more um, in tune with what he's trying to do going forward. But yeah, I, th- I think it's it's a structural thing for, for Sarri that the whole team kind of isn't quite defending as he would want at the moment. And yeah, I think it's something that he'll, he'll literally just going forward, maybe slightly tweaking the, the kind of midfield roles. He's already started it with Kante, but maybe we'll see a bit more of it on the on the left-hand side as well. Mm, okay, right. Well, uh, I'm just, just a quick heads up. What I'm going to do, yeah, let's do this one. And I'm thinking I might shove the other two into part three because uh, we've got plenty of time at the back end of the show and, and running out of time at the front end of the show. But uh, the reality is, uh, defensive issues aside uh, and goal scoring issues aside per se, we're, we're joint top after eight Premier League games. Uh, we've not Liverpool out of the Carabao Cup or the Haribo Cup, as I could, heard it called on Twitter, which amused me. I thought that was very appropriate, and bizarrely enough, it was a scouser that was uh, coming up with that wit. Who knew? Um, so, I mean, the first question really is: Have we exceeded expectations? Uh, and then the next one is: You know, there is going to be a blip coming along. There is going to be a blip. We are going to lose matches. We are going to possibly lose form. So, you know, what happens? You know, how do we deal with that when that happens? And of course, of course, November is looming large. And remember, remember, we're shit in November. And finally, that aside, you know, can we really challenge for the title? Because I don't think any of us really felt that we could, did we, Jonathan, at the beginning of the season? Um, 
No, not really. I think we were willing to have a, a settling in period, weren't we, where we drew a few and uh, won the odd one. And it was all going to be um, a question of seeing this new style of football football being played with, with the advantage of having YouTube. You can actually see um, how uh, Napoli have played in the past and with the, the knowledge of them playing so well in the Champions League last year. So at least you knew that he'd, he'd managed a very good side. Um, but no, we, I, I don't think any of us uh, had the conception that we would be um, we'd be in the top three at this stage of the season and uh, and undefeated. Um, and it's testimony to uh, to him as a man and his uh, his tactical abilities. Um, and and I'm I, I'm so uh, convinced that we will just get better and better. And he'll sign. Um, we'll have he'll have the full backing of the board, and he'll sign some really excellent players to make his system work even better. And it may mean that we say goodbye to some people that we've uh, set down as favourites, but um, that's, 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 football, it, that's, baby. What, that's what happens. Absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely right. I mean, you know, Alex uh, and, uh, well, yeah, I mean, Alex and Joe really, but I'll, I'll ask you first, Alex, you know, Marco, who's, who's a sage friend of ours, as we know, you know, he, he raised this point on Twitter today you know, and also the words premier stylophonist. Yes, premier stylophonist, indeed. Yeah. But, I mean, th- there is going to be a blip. I mean, we are going to oh, lose yeah. a match sooner or later. And, and I mean, we haven't yet. We should, I mean, we're, we're almost halfway through October. It astonishes me. I mean, you get those haven't. games as well that you lose. That are complete. I don't remember when we went away to Wigan and Czech got sent off and we inexplicably lost mm. to one of the most dross teams in the league. You get those... Mm. in the season every year and there'll be the inevitable meltdown someone will blame Cahill and everyone even if he's not playing I know yeah and everyone will be going on like it's like the four horsemen of the Ocopo. yeah but I don't care what social media says how's Sarri going to deal with it how's the uh, team going to deal with it I de- it depends if it's one of those where it's like fucking an act of skullduggery like a red card or something that where they happen and you lose and you get over it. If it's a prolonged blip, um, I don't know. I've not seen enough of him to know yet. If, it's a pro- mm. if we go three, four games without winning, I don't know, I'm turning that over to Joe. <laughs> Fair. Do you know what, Alex? I would have done that. Yeah. <laughs> Joe? <laughs> um, I mean, I think probably the the interesting thing will be that the players seem to to really kind of enjoy the the kind of style of football that Sarri's putting in. And I, I think when we've kind of hit bad patches under under Mourinho and, and Conte, it's it's maybe a bit easier to kind of re-motivate the players because, you know, they're, they're kind of excited to be playing the way they are. They're excited to be slightly more looking to, to kind of dominate possession, dominate the game. Then, then I think at times where we've gone through bad patches under Conte and particularly in sort of Mourinho's... Uh, was it 15, 16 season that the players just looked completely disinterested in. And, and I think that that, that hopefully is, is something that, that puts him in good stead. You know, he's kind of building up a, a kind of level of, of almost credit with the players in a way, you know, to sort of believe in what he's doing. And I, I think a lot of the, the comments that we're hearing from, from the entire squad really kind of sort of backs up that they're, they're incredibly happy with the direction that the club's taking. So maybe it's a, it's a bit easier for them to kind of buy into the ideas and to kind of re sort of almost reset themselves if they, if they are, you know, kind of beaten fair and square per se, um, then, then it would have been under maybe Conte and, and Mourinho historically. So I'm, I'm hopeful that, you know, that, that they've bought into what he wants and, and that kind of really is 
is what's going to be able to to sort of I suppose enable him to to kind of refocus them uh, you know kind of on on what they've been doing so well previously and hopefully what they can they can correct the following game but it's it's going to be just a, a question of of how the players react. I think you know we've seen some pretty pretty dour reactions, some pretty dour performances um, when it came down to the crunch time under Conte and, and Mourinho um, for the players. Just you know for whatever reason, kind of fell out of uh, you know kind of fell out of love with with the manager and the system and the style of play. And maybe uh, maybe in in Sari's case, he, he's you know, he's very very different to, to both of those guys. So potentially he has that. Up his sleeve that he can he can call on that sort of favour with the players. So I'm 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 kind of faithful on that. I mean I'm I don't see at the moment that this is a squad that's going to sort of maybe capitulate and is 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 looking like the the weight of the world's beating down on them. Like maybe you know we've seen kind of previously. So yeah, I, I kind of hope that that's going to be the case, Judge. In different well, ways, both those other managers were a bit relentless with the players. Um, there was a fun element to Mourinho, but not not to Conte by the end of it, but they were very strict with them, which he's not. So you would think that if they weren't already under the cosh like that, and then he had to ask that of them, that they'd be more willing than if they were constantly bludgeoned and it wasn't working and they were still getting constantly bludgeoned. So like Joe says, you would hope that the players would, would have his back. Mm. Well, I mean, here's the thing. You know, management's all about how you how you manage when things are not going well and not going your way not really about how you know you manage when things are all going the right way and everything's rosy in the garden as i said earlier uh, so that will be the real test and of course none of us know so it'll be intriguing to see what happens uh, i hope joe's right he normally is um what i would say though is yeah i think they have totally exceeded expectations so far certainly mine and i actually really do think we can challenge for the title this year I really do. I mean, you know, the start that we've had tells me that we're good enough and I've seen everybody else and you know, I'm not I'm not that I'm not scared of anybody in this league, that's for sure. Now, uh we've uh, rabbed it on uh, far too long as I, as we always do as Alex completely and utterly predicted. So, I'm going to shove uh is the third kit uh shit or if you prefer is the third kit a turd kit and uh we're going to have our our very own personal tributes uh to John Terry after the break, as well as a wonderful email for Jonathan to read out. So we'll see you in a sec. Cheech. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Cheech, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> It's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow, great! Uh, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK, and best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you, thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jidge? 
Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com Right, welcome back. I'm Stanford Cheers. This is the Chelsea Fancast, and uh, we've got a great uh, gang on tonight. We have the wonderful uh, Jonathan Kidd. Yep, 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 yep. And the lovely Alexandra Churchill. What up? And uh, the very lovely and very clever, thank goodness he's on the show tonight, Mr. Thank Joe Tweedy. Goodness. Evening, Chidge. <laughs> Butler does it for him. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That- that would be sorry for those of you who are unaware uh, because of our off-air talk. Uh, Jonathan goes uh, to the uh, the little boys' room uh, at half time to relieve himself. And uh, uh, Happy Bird, who I don't remember seeing in here before, but if I'm wrong, I'm, I apologise. But nice to see you in here. Uh, has kind of alluded to the fact that maybe his butler assists him in this exercise. I couldn't possibly comment, although I can hear him slurping on a cup of something. Right. <laughs> Okay, uh, we didn't get around to doing this in part th- uh, two, but we're going to do it in part three because it's important. Not least because I got a barrage of flack about this. I, I never get flack on Twitter, largely because I never really say anything controversial anymore. But I got massive grief. And my feelings are it's probably from the bloody youth and the FIFA players. But I could be wrong, and I may be just be a grumpy old man, which might be the answer to the question that I'm going to ask. Which is, is the third kit shit? I have to say, I thought it was... I think it's a horrible colour. Ocean oh, blue. No, I love Ocean it. Ocean blue. I think the socks are obscene. Yes. I don't like I don't like that stupid design on the front. I don't care if it's all Chelsea and players and the stuff. It's magnetic change. It, it, I don't care if it, pigeons can follow it. I don't care if it's bloody gold encrusted, mate. It it doesn't belong on a football shirt. It is. Oh, it's no, got, I it's love gilded. It. And and the other hang on, let me finish my rant. And the other thing is, uh you know, let's face it, third kits are just another way of fleecing the long-suffering supporter. I mean, you know, for God's sake. It was uh, ludicrous, so I, wasn't I, it, I, I think it's a load of pants. I think it's a load of pants. Jonathan, what do you think? Well, I, I think you're correct about fleecing, because Chelsea could do easily have played Southampton in their blue and white kit, couldn't they? Because they, yeah, they, normally, they, op- do. they normally do, and the opposition play in red. But I am fond of it. I think um, the one thing Nike have got right is the kits. Other than the f- the first kit, of course, well, which has got those I hate, I hate those stupid. Bit, yeah, yeah, me too. Stupid, I think it's I think it's rubbish. No, I agree completely. But the <laughs> the second kit, the yellow, is to die for. Yes, let's beautiful. be honest. The yellow beautiful. is beautiful, and I like this one. I like the, the eccentricity yeah. of the orange and uh, 
and blue socks. I think it's. Uh, I think I it was think designed by fantastic. somebody who's clearly colour blind. No, but I thought the orange was actually a throwback to the original that terrible orange kit we oh, had in about nineteen ninety six. Graphite tangerine. Yeah, one. that's right. I mean, that was poor, wasn't it? Let's I hated that one as well. No, I agree too. I I hated that one, but this one I like the the modern the technology involved. Isn't it got some kind of no. of attachment to the web so you can find where every player is from a position from a satellite isn't it's it a bloody marketing kind game. of thing yeah i love it's a load it load of arse gravy and not that i'll be not, not that i'll be buying it but you know i love it though i think this is the problem is that very few of us will actually be, be buying any of these things because uh, from the that nike top. store when was you the could... last time when was the last time you bought a kit jonathan this year really i've bought i've bought every kit for the last oh 25 years you, you're beyond redemption mate <laughs> I mean, the last time I bought a shirt, the last time I bought a shirt was probably about 2000. I think I bought the uh, uh, the one, when we won the league the first time. Yes. Centenary kit. Yeah, lovely kit. Yeah, lovely I, kit. I couldn't resist that. But yeah. I, 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 I just decided, you know what, Chidge, you're too fat and you're too old. Grow up. If you're going to have a shirt, get a retro shirt. Simple as. Talking of retro shirts, Alex, the only strange away kit that I've ever really liked has been the what I call the Ford Mexico kit, which is also kind of a pastiche on the Hungry kit. You know, the one with the red and the green stripe down the middle. I quite like that because that's quite. I think you need cl- to get over yourself, Chidge. I really. Do you know what the difference <laughs> with this top is, right? The the grey one. As I stand outside begging, as someone put it, um, for charity. Oh, that um, was cruel, before, wasn't that? I cruel? know. I was like, but it was. He was Russian, which is kind of they don't do tact, or no Russian I've ever met does. But um, it suits fans that grey one the greeny grey one we've got it actually looks good on a fan whereas if you put a 40 plus fat man in the yellow he looks like a fat canary it's like big bird coming down the fulham road at you it doesn't yes. suit the fans well the, or, the the yellow kit the yellow the one what? yeah it looks great on the players and it looks yeah. great on kids but this greeny grey one is a nice subtle color for adults i think because the people i've seen wearing it outside it actually does look good on a normal person it suits but their palate the doesn't it yeah. Okay. Um, Joe, uh, as always, the voice of reason, and of course, you're considerably younger than what I am. Uh, so, uh, yes or no for the turd kit? Ah, uh, see, this this was one of my first kits, Chid. So uh, the the, well, the, tangi- the tangerine and graphite, tangerine and graphite, uh, yeah. rude hurlit on the back. So yeah, yeah, one of my first kits as a kid. So I kind of like it from from that aspect. I mean, I I, just, I hate the name of the color of the kit. I think that's definitely someone you know who's been to art design school and just thrown four words together and said yeah that's a color but i mean uh, yeah i mean and i, I also I, I love the really larry over the top orange socks i don't know yes. it, just, it, it, it just it screams to me of rude hullet and i think that's uh yeah that's why I'm, I'm kind of attached to it although i would probably like a bit more larry orange on the shirt and maybe the shorts but oh, i think oh that's just God. that's that's just me that, that's me harping back to the an orange stripe that would be lovely or I agree, just the Joe. shorts in orange yeah, just yes. or maybe just the whole thing could be bright orange, but yeah, yeah, I mean, everything uh, orange yeah. that'd be perfect. Yeah, I agree with a bit of blue. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I think yeah, it's a bit 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 of sentimentality because yeah, Rude was one of my uh, heroes growing up, and it was one of the first kits that I had. So yeah, I kind of well, I have a bit of sentimental love for it. I, I have to be honest, I despair of all of you, and in particular Jonathan. I thought he would have sat in the grumpy old man's corner with me. You know, it's I'm, not I'm... the grumpy old man corner. It's the I've gone vegan and I need a fucking burger corner. No, I'm all right because you see tonight, tonight, no, and, and people did ask, people did ask. Bonnie Rig Blues uh, says, "How's the banana diet going, Chidge?" 
Uh, I can tell you that I think I've lost about four pounds in the first week. And about well eight friends as well. <laughs> well, I did have, I did fall out with Alex last week, and and uh, I, I fell out with two of my favourite people at Chelsea, who were probably. I mean, I know Alex gives this impression of being a Tasmanian devil, but she's perhaps one of the sweetest, loveliest, and kindest people at Chelsea. And Cliff Auger is probably the, one of the nicest people you'll meet anywhere. And I managed to fall out and have a row with both of them. Uh, so I'm blaming it on the fact that it's a bit like that uh, advert with Snickers. You know, you can become a bit of a diva when you're hungry. And I think, I think that may have happened. But I, 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 had a, I had a vegan spaghetti bolognese before we went on air. So I'm feeling what well What was it fed. made out of? Now, my wife made it. Sarah's a genius. She spends all of Sunday cooking me food parcels to take home. And she... Basically, it's got corn for the mince, and it's just got lots of vegetables and spices, and it tastes bloody much. Sprinkled with cardboard. <laughs> no, no, it tastes good. Though. You'd never know. Awful. You'd never know you're eating turd, uh, you know, rather than mince. It's fantastic. So the diet's going well, and I'm in a much happier frame of mind. But I really don't like this kit. I think it's horrible. But as I said, I, I, I'm sure it's just because I am a grumpy old man and... You know, as I said, I'm never going to bloody buy it, so it's not aimed at me, is it? I mean, talking of this, Alex, it's kind of relevant because, uh, you know, the club are doing this uh, survey, aren't they, on the Nike store at the moment. And I know the fan cast, thanks to your great efforts, it has to be said, have done some great stuff on this. The Supporters Trust, I know, have put a survey out as well. But, it's damning I mean, what, 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 results what, coming what, in what, so far. What I'm getting at, really, is that I, I think I'm just very angry about the insidious marketing by stealth that seems to be you know storming through the club at the moment and I, and it really offends me and I, I i spent a long time working in marketing so i know what they're up to and i and i just find it offensive to be honest and I, i'm a great stickler for tradition and culture and history and i think i think it's important and i mean maybe they're being clever maybe they're saying oi chidge you grumpy old git you can't complain about the second kit because it's all yellow and you've been moaning about that for about 10 years which is true so maybe they're cleverer than I give them credit for, but whatever. Uh, for those of you who like it, fair enough. Good for you. Um, right, now, this is much more important than the bloody third kit. Um, John Terry, captain, leader, legend, finally, finally, finally uh, announced his uh, retirement as a player yesterday. And uh, and fair play to him. I and mean, what an unbelievable career. I loved his statement, which was so full of his love for us and for Chelsea, which absolutely, in my book, defines the man. Um, and I've got lots of questions to ask this lot, but I'm going to start with, with Joe, actually. Where, where do you think he sits in the pantheon of the Premier League and Chelsea greats? So basically, as a Chelsea player and as a Premier League player. I think the, before kind of all sort of the media kind of nonsense started dictating the sort of wider perception of him, he was, he was voted into that, that FIFA 11, or World 11, what, six, five, six years in a row. It, it was an incredible amount of time he, he was voted consecutively into that. And I remember when they, they were kind of given the award, he was sort of almost like the, the kind of de facto captain of that entire team, which had, you know, Ronaldinho and all these incredible players at the time um, as part of that 11. And I, I don't think he's ever really, you know, outside of Chelsea, I think because of, because of the way people perceive him, He's ever really kind of got the, the level of respect he, he deserves. I mean, he is by far, I think, the, the best centre-back that's ever played in the Premier League. I mean, you see just how badly players uh, like Rio Ferdinand and, and others have, as soon as they kind of got older and their, their kind of age kind of took it took away some of their, their kind of agility and some of their physical tools, just how badly they started performing. I think Ferdinand ended up at what QPR and was just 
absolutely abysmal. Whereas kind of Terry was 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 what playing every single minute of every single game, winning the title when he was what thirty four. So the fact that he's never really had any had any pay to speak of in the kind of modern era where every striker seems to be incredibly quick and. You know, it's it's just a testament just to how good he was as a defender. And, you know, you, you, you listen to people like Thierry Henry and, and David Villa and all of these incredible sort of superstar players that have played against him. And all of them kind of single him out as one of the best, if not the best defender that they've played against. And, you know, I, I always look back to the reason that we signed Michael Ballack. And, you know, Michael Ballack's one of my favourite Chelsea players ever. And, you know, he said that when we played them in the Champions League and, and he could kind of, he was trying to sort of intimidate players with, with Oliver Kahn and, JT just sort of came down and just basically just started giving it to him and Khan and pretty much any of the other Bayern players in the tunnel. And it was kind of that moment that he felt, yeah, this is a guy that I could I could go and play for. So, you know, he's he's had the character, he's he's kind of almost been the sort of embodiment of Chelsea's a football club. We are far from perfect. You know, we've kind of had our our sort of personal highlights and lowlights were a bit kind of crazy and haphazard. But you know, the sort of success that we've had has, has been kind of almost an extension of, of John Terry as a, as a person and as a personality. So, yeah, I mean, he's he's incredible. Personally, he, he's my kind of greatest ever Chelsea player. I think I would differentiate that from best somewhat with uh, probably Lampard probably being the best player that we've had or, or maybe even Hazard slightly pushing it a bit. But I think he's definitely the greatest, the greatest Chelsea player that, that's, that I've seen personally sort of, you know, in sort of watching Chelsea from kind of the, the mid-90s till, till today. And, you know, he's a Premier League great. And I think the, the kind of the, the sort of testimonies that people are paying him now that he's uh, he, he's retiring, you know, Jamie Carragher's, you know, kind of signaling him out as the best player. I think yeah. even Rio Ferdinand was incredibly positive about him as well, which, you know, I think, again, says a lot. Um, but yeah, I've just, just an incredible defender, um, very underrated technically, very underrated in general. You know, this this kind of opposition fan view that he was somehow kind of, you know, supported by a number of players, Cavalio and all the other players that people want to say kind of made Terry. But whenever they left Chelsea, they, they never really were the same, you know, without Terry. Whereas I think Terry kind of excelled, didn't really matter who you put next to him. He was always just a fantastic player. So, you know, just an absolute hero, one of my all-time favourite players, um, someone I met when I was very, very young and you know, he took a lot of time out to, to have a chat with me and one of my friends, which kind of always stays with you as well. But yeah, I think he'll be hopefully remembered in the right way now that he's he's retired. Um, and just yeah, I think it's probably probably the best the best defender that the Premier League has seen, without question the best uh, the best defender at Chelsea, the best captain, best leader. You know, he's there's there's going to go some uh, you know someone has to go quite a way to to kind of top his achievements at the club. So yeah, he he could be the, the greatest player that, that we'll ever see at Chelsea. Um, hopefully someday someone will top that. But for the time being, I think he he's kind of on his own and just the, the, the kind of commitment to the club and yeah, just, just his general way of, of, of leading the club and, and really just being the embodiment of, of what it's meant to be Chelsea and kind of this, this Roman Abramovich era. Yeah, that's a good, good ending there, uh, uh, Joe, because I was going to ask JK, you know, what, what, what do you think he means to Chelsea, Jonathan? Um, well, I, I, I hope that Chelsea embrace his memory and, uh, and realise what a completely wonderful player he's been, and uh, and share with us the uh, um, the delight that the fans have had with him as a player, and uh, and by giving him possibly a testimonial or giving him some, um, uh, even if the money went to charity, because testimonials mean nothing, um, uh, so that we can we can appreciate these the years that he had. I mean, I suppose we did that to an extent when he was when he was a Chelsea player, but the very fact that he then went and and put in a shift for Villa. I love the way that uh, they their initial reaction was to say, 
um, they didn't know what they were getting, and they because they thought that he was a dre- dreadful human being, and uh, and I feel that um, uh, Chelsea's rise, um, which he's been hugely associated with via Abramovich, didn't do him any favors because uh, he was considered an upstart in the same way that um, Abramovich was considered an upstart, uh, and uh, and was consequently vilified by large numbers of the press who wanted to do Chelsea and him down to such an extent that even now people think of him in a very negative way. Um, and uh, it, it, it was, you know, Villa, for example, they, they, he was so fantastic for them off, off and on the pitch that they've completely changed their tune, obviously, as would any other club who he played for was involved with. But this, uh, uh, unfortunately, he's, he's been painted with such a... Um, a dreadful image. I mean, I was even chatting to somebody the other day who said, well, you know, let's hope that Terry disappears from football life forever. The For the man who parks in disabled bays at supermarkets and pisses in uh, pisses um, on bars, pisses in 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 um, in flower pots at bars or, you know, takes his penis out. And I mean, things that were just stories from his youth or, or things that the media um, made into uh, uh, something to hit him over the head with. I mean, the 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 unfortunately, the two other areas that he he, he uh, managed to feed the the media frenzy were, of course, was the uh, uh, the racist language and the and the affair that he had. But uh, he one didn't own, have an affair. I'm sorry, the wrong affair. It wasn't the affair. It was the moment. Whatever. Well, let's say I'm even. I've been fed this. If that's the case, no, but by, he, the, he did, by the she press. She wasn't married to him when he. No, no, that's right. She him. wasn't married. Yeah, that's true. But the um, uh, no, she um, wasn't even with him. Yeah, exactly. When it, she, but it was, he yeah, but moved it, up the other end of the country and shacked up with someone else. But it still um, it, it gave the the press an opportunity to paint him as a as a complete villain. I Whereas all we get all we get is stories about what a wonderful guy he is. There was a lovely thing in Twitter today about um, which um, Andy Saunders from the, mm. the Chelsea. I was going to um, read it out. Yeah, yeah. Well, you should, you should, because it's uh, it's yeah. a lo- it's a lovely testimony to to what he's like as a as a man. And uh, the, I think the more these stories come out, I've, and I, I hope that the, the Villa fans push these things as well. That the image of him will be will be uh, um, it'll be reborn, you know, which he needs to have because he's still viewed by large numbers of football fans as a hooligan and a thug, unfortunately. But mm. so much of this is done by the media. When you consider, Completely. I mean, you consider that the shit that man took in the press and yet Ryan Giggs got no, about two weeks of crap for sleeping with his brother's wife for eight years and then went back to being a legend in everybody's eyes and it just sickens me but um i can't like i i agree with everything joe said um i don't remember i started going to chelsea when he started playing for chelsea and i didn't know life at chelsea without him until he left us but um I've met him three times. He's always been absolutely lovely. Um, he's a gentleman with fans. He's a pro. Um, and Andy Saunders, I'll read it out. Cause don't, don't read it out, Alex, because that's the Chelsea podcast thing, and Andy will probably read it out. Oh, so okay. Well, I didn't know it. Yeah, but it, it revolved around the fact that um, a UEFA official was being a bit of a turd um, when his son was a mascot, and um, John Terry took it into his hands and uh, acted like a real gent, basically, mm. and told UEFA to shove it, which is always a good thing. Have you got? I mean, have you got some personal memories of of JT? I mean, I know, you, like me, you you met him a few times. So, 
just in that and that how much of a professional he was with fans i don't think i can recall any tale even i mean so i live quite near where he lives and everybody's got a three degrees of John Terry separation story and down to sort of people jumping out of their car or their kids jumping out of the car at traffic lights to run into Pizza Express because they've seen him in there and get an autograph and he's in there with his wife and he's still if a kid comes up to him was a gentleman and signing napkins and and didn't tell anybody to piss off or anything I mean my first experience of meeting a footballer was way back in 96 and it was David Beckham and I saw him tell a child to fuck off because he didn't want to talk to him um and I just, John Terry would never, ever have done that. He's Whenever he's out in public, he behaves like a gentleman towards anyone who'd want to speak to him. And, and that takes some doing. And we've got some players like that now that don't know that. And uh, we were trying to get one of them to uh, finish off. Uh, my friend gets a... He goes down about two, three times a season and across the course of the year gets a shirt signed by the whole squad and he's got them framed every year. He doesn't sell them on, he doesn't make any money out of them. But this one player he could not get. So I went up there with him and he said, oh, can you just wear a tight top and put some makeup on and see if he'll stop for you? Um, and he, he sort of, he walked past me and was already swamped and I thought, well, I'm not chasing him. So instead, I asked John Terry if he could help us sort it out and uh, whatever he said the other player walked around the corner all smiles and stopped for the fans which is a rarity with this guy and uh, made sure everybody had their signature or the photo that they wanted um, and I don't think you can I don't think it's PR I think it's just common decency and, he, and not every player has it and he did in Spain mm. more than any- he did I mean my, my experience of him is exactly like that personally I mean I, I went to Cobham and uh, kind of chaperoned a, a load of kind of you know kids in their twenties who were there on it. It was a complicated thing. I was with a football fan cast and bloody miserable cold day, and they'd all been training. They obviously wanted to get back in, and the kids. I, I wasn't there to get a shirt signed or anything. I've, I've already got loads of signed shirts, but the kids were desperate to get his autograph, and they were all a bit too reticent. And and some, you know, they were the Ashley Cole kind of stormed. Actually, no, not Ashley Cole. Quite a few of them were just storming past and the kid and ignoring the kids. And I saw JT and I I beckoned to him, said "Oi, JT," and kind of waved a pen. And he came over and I explained what was going on. He got them all to come back out in the freezing cold and they and made them sign everybody's shirt. You know, he was just absolutely brilliant. There was another. Uh, there's a lovely guy who who listens to this uh, show, um, who uh, who is brilliant story actually. I mean, he wrote JT uh, a letter of support uh, when he was going through a lot of his the aggro that was going on around him. JT sent him a pair of boots that he signed. Uh, I mean, there are just so many stories. And of course, JT is always the leader and the winner of the CFC UK. Uh, picking DJ up with all the fanzines competition always wins it. You know he's a he's a really lovely guy and he cares deeply about the supporters and he gets it. He gets it from the bottom to the top through his core. He gets it and we will not see his like again. I have no doubt about that. He is that he is the last uh, of the kind of the footballers that I think had a real kind of connection with supporters and we won't see him again. Um, what about some, uh, you know, kind of favourite Chelsea moments? Have you, you know, got a couple of favourite JT moments, uh, Joe? God, uh, where to start? Um, <laughs> so many, aren't there? I think the, the, the one, I think probably maybe a, a slightly under the radar one or maybe one that people don't think about, the, the kind of moment I felt Terry really kind of arrived as a Chelsea captain. I think it was... Uh, I don't know if it was an FA Cup game, but I remember it being at Highbury and he scored this ridiculous bullet header from a corner. 
And it was this kind of sort of real kind of I've arrived as a captain moment. And from that sort of moment on, I just remember sort of thinking, okay, this guy's going to be like the the best thing that's ever happened to Chelsea. And I think from then it's just, I mean, the, the amount of big goals that he scored. I mean, you think about the, the run to the the Champions League final to Di Matteo, that you know the, the huge header against Napoli that he he scored there. You know, the, I mean, the, the goal obviously to, to beat Barcelona when it was four two. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's there's so many oh, moments to, to kind of pick. Maybe I think probably the, the goal that sums him up most is uh, you know talking sort of back to some of the, the Wayne Bridge stuff. The I think we were at Burnley and I think yeah. everything had just broken that morning. And you know, I mean. I would imagine 99.9% of Premier League footballers would have shirked that game and said, look, I'm not in a, a fit state to play. Like, I just want to stay at home. I want to wait and, and sort this out. But Terry, in kind of his own sort of way, and I think this is partly why opposition fans hate him so much, turns up, fronts it up completely and again, scores an absolute, what was it, another crashing header to sort of win the game. And just sort of thinking like that, those are kind of the moments that I think as a Chelsea fan really kind of endeared to Terry because... It didn't matter all the nonsense that was going on around him as a person, all the, the kind of rubbish and stuff that he was whatever getting caught up in. Whenever he put on the Chelsea shirt and whenever he put on the captain's armband for that 90 minutes, you got 150 million percent dedication to the badge. There was you, you never had ever kind of a question of Terry, whether Terry was shirking a game, whether he wasn't kind of putting maximum effort, where he, whether he was going through the motions. And I do think now even, you know, how well we're playing, just the, the, the kind of standards that Terry maintained in that squad, I don't think that that's something that necessarily you might you might never replicate it again at Chelsea. Just the fact that I think Terry held every player accountable um, to, to kind of play a you know play a, a certain certain level and kind of maintain that throughout his kind of time at Chelsea. So you know trying to pick a, a single moment is is incredibly difficult. But you know I think that there's, there's been so many big goals, so many just big performances in general that he's had for the club. But yeah, I mean it's uh, it's difficult to pick. Maybe you know if, if you're trying to boil it down, I think the the first Premier League title, um, maybe that was kind of the thing that kind of set off this this sort of journey with Abramovich, kind of winning that for the first time in 50 years was was a huge moment. And Terry obviously being, uh, I think he, did, he he won the PFA Players of the Year, I think possibly that year as well. So the last defender to, to win the award, um, you know, it was yeah, just just an incredible player. And I think the more you the more you kind of talk about it, the more I'm kind of sort of talking to myself here. I'm just, I'm, I'm thinking of so many different moments. So very difficult to pinpoint one, but I think it's just, it's testament to him as a person and as a player that, you know, you could, you could probably do a podcast on it, JJ. There's so many things to talk about. But particularly his ability to score from corners. You know, we yes. were watching the game yesterday and, uh, and we, did, we have 11 corners and then we did not once did it look as if anybody was going to put the ball in the net. And with great regularity, he would get into a scoring position. He would make the ball his which is we something were, that uh, they're not doing at the moment at all. When so. we had him and Cahill and Ivanovic going up for corners, you visibly, visibly see other teams shaking because they didn't know who to mark. That's just the defenders you've got to mark, never mind the attackers. And all right. Can I just say as all well right. that no yeah, yeah. defender under John Terry would ever have had the cheek to emerge in long sleeves, let alone... No, well, Chips Chiverton has just said, uh, Borough away... 10, minus 10 degrees, JT comes out to warm up wearing a T-shirt, every other player wearing gloves and woolly hats. Listen, just to wrap this up, I mean, a couple of my favourite moments, a lot of, pe- lot of I'm just repeating really what a lot of people on Mixler have said, but I, I loved, I think if I was to name a, a, a favourite moment, it would be uh, that last-minute equaliser he scored against Everton where he leapt into the crowd. I mean, that was just classic, classic JT and the passionate exudes and getting together with the fans. I was also very fond of, as, as is Aurelius, or, 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 
Yeah, uh, it was. You know, he equally says sticking his head in and getting booted in the face uh, in the Carling Cup final against Arsenal. Warming I love up that in goal. front of the West Ham fans and doing. Yeah, that's a good them. one. That's yeah. a good one. And and uh, last but no means least, uh, somebody else mentioned this. Yes, I think it was Joe, wasn't it? The goal he scored against Barcelona, which was just brilliant, got us right back in the game. Uh, so many memories of JT. What an absolute legend! I wish him, on behalf of everybody at the Fancast, all the best with whatever he does next. Now. We're going to have a very quick break and then we're back with an email and uh, hopefully we're going to get some questions from you. We'll see how the time goes and then we've got to wrap it all up. See you in a sec. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Footballfancast.com Right, welcome back. We're in the home straight of the Chelsea Fancast. Been a ripper tonight. Lots of very interesting stuff said, I think. Uh, largely down to the fact that uh, mainly uh, the wonderful Joe Tweeds, the exceptional Jonathan Kidd, and the diligent Alexandra Churchill have done most of the talking tonight. Diligent. 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 Yeah, she is. She's a hard worker. She's wonderfully worker diligent, but also exhilarating, surely. Well, I'm running out of bloody synonyms Adjectives. and stuff. Okay, Adjectives. Okay. Well, Adjectives and all fair that. Enough. Okay. Anyway, so, uh, right, without further ado, uh, before uh, Jonathan starts his... Uh, <laughs> oh, sorry, Jonathan. Aurelius has just said, do I have to change my name on here to Mark Fuchid? Very probably. I'm having trouble pronouncing anything at the moment. It's Aurelius. Mark. Aurelius. Aurelius. Marcus Aurelius. Yes. I know it's 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 a Roman uh, thing in the book. Richard Harris anyway. in Gladiator. That's right. That's right. Anyway, listen, uh, before Jonathan reads this email, um, I'm going to ask the Mixler people to get your questions in now. And whatever time we have left, I need about five, ten minutes at the end. I need about ten minutes at the end. So maybe we'll have five or ten minutes of questions. So, Jonathan, take it away. This is from Kenroy Justin. Hello, Kenroy. Kiru, Chiju, Kiru. Lovely. Hi, dudes. Does anyone know why Morata really changed his number from nine to twenty-nine? I think they said it's because of his twin's birthday on the twenty-ninth. But me, I think he got a call from the last Spanish Chelsea number nine that kind of struggled for goals and form and everything else. Torres probably told him about our number nine blight, and it scared him to shit. Watching Morata play this week, you can see a good striker in there. I personally think his strength is in his movement. He can often find space. And with the passing and genius of Hazard, he normally gets Morata a couple of chances a game. It's his finishing that's really letting him down. The finishing of a man bereft of confidence. He's had six shots on target out of 14 and missed three big chances in the PL so far. For his first chance on goal on the weekend, he could have tried going under the keeper, through his legs, around him, or top corner, but he fluffed yet another one-on-one chance. His second chance had more thought to it, and we can see he scored. If and when we see that small but distinct difference in his shot placement, he'll increase his conversion rate, and I believe he'll be back in the goals. Saying that, he now has more goals than Oli G, so it's a conundrum. Do we let him now start as he's starting to find form so he can keep improving? There's only one realistic solution, actually. We must surgically merge them into one player, a sort of Alvarie Girata. 
We'll use Ollie G's beard and arms, Maratta's legs, <laughs> and see if we can inject some of the gold from Ollie's World Cup medal into their blood so they have winner in them. Thanks, dudes. P.S. When is Jidge? Jidge? I'm so sorry. Start again. When is Oh, G- really? So it's not just me, then. <laughs> no, that's Fancy true. Fancy that. No, I was doing that sympathetically. When oh, is right. when is Jidge? When is Chidge finally coming back to St. Lucia? His bottle of chairman. Oh, sorry, sorry. I, pronunciation correction. It's St. Lucia. Y- yeah, okay. His, <laughs> his bottle of chairman's reserve rum. Do you want to correct me, Chidge? No, that's fine. Oh, good. Has been sitting here waiting for ages now, and it says it's starting to get annoyed with him. Kenroy. And he's put a bottle of the rum, which I'm now oh, enlarging, man. which is rather lovely. Oh, chairman's reserve rum. Finest and Lucia, and it's um forty. It's four percent uh, alcohol volume, and uh, no, no, it's more than that, mate. Forty-two percent. Yeah, yeah, at least. Uh, Kenroy, Kenroy, Kenroy. There is nothing I would like more than going out to St Lucia, but I am very poor, so I have to rely on my wife funding uh, holiday excursions, and uh, we went to Mallorca the other week uh, because it was near and quick. She also finds it quite hard sitting on a plane for eight, ten hours, which I think it is, to get out there because her back is in a massive state. Uh, but I really desperately hope uh, to get over there because it's, I think, toss up between St Lucia and Grenada, but very, very you know, one of my favourite Caribbean islands. And apart from all that, mate, I'd love to meet you. It'd be great. I actually saw Chelsea play Arsenal in a pub in St Lucia it was the one where Drogba scored two goals, so that gives us a choice of about eight, I suspect. But uh, yeah, I mean it's brilliant, and I'd love to go there. So keep the bottle, keep the bottle on ice for me, mate. And lovely to hear from you as always. Right, we have questions. We have questions. Delightful, brilliant. Okay, uh, number one from Vin De Blue. Uh, in what way can Aspiliqueta better himself in that role? And I'm basically going to ask, you know, one of you rather than getting everybody to answer, otherwise we'll be here all night. In what way can Aspilicueta better himself in that role as right-back? Seems like playing in a centre-back position has cost him Joe. Um, I think it's probably time with, with Aspilicueta. Um I mean, also, I think, again, you know, his, his best performances at Chelsea probably came at left-back when he took over from Ashley Cole. He was fantastic there but also at centre-back. So I think maybe we, we kind of traditionally think of him as a right-back, but really his, his kind of, you know, his best form for, for the club at least have been in other positions. So maybe it's, it's just a question of time. Um, I think, you know, the, the one thing that's been concerning is that traditionally I've always seen him as an, you know, an incredibly good defender one-on-one. I think that's always been one of his major strengths. But for whatever reason, I think maybe moving from a, from a centre-back position to being more of a, kind of by himself kind of on the right hand side a bit more frequently that that seems to have, have kind of not disappeared entirely but I mean it's it's definitely not what it was uh, maybe two three seasons ago when he was playing more kind of as a as a left back really so I think it's going to be a, a period of adjustment for him um that that, that yeah it's, it's just going to be a question of time you know whether he actually couldn't can readjust the position is also going to be something for for sorry to look at because I, I think of the 
of the back foot at the moment. I'm not saying he, he's sort of the weakest player, but you know he's definitely the one who who isn't performing as, as well as Rudiger Luiz or Alonso. So, you know, I think he he needs to not buck his ideas up, but I think he, he definitely needs to to start figuring out the, the position again. Um, because I mean, the alternative being Zappa Costa, and I don't think that's what oh, anyone God, really wants God, to see. So, no, don't. Oh, no. oh, Joe, how could exactly. you? Exactly. Oh, <laughs> oh. Yeah. So yeah, it just I think it's just a question of time with him. So hopefully he can uh, he can pick up form again. Lovely stuff. Uh, all right. Uh, this is for Jonathan. Oh, yes. Uh, if, if Hazard leaves, who on earth would re- or could replace him? And that's from Dean Mears. Good old Dean. Good question, Dean. Well, I think it's a question about how much money they're going to get for Hazard if they do sell him, because it'll be the last year of his contract. So, uh, God, bloody hell, won't be much, will it? Uh, they'll have to buy somebody phenomenal. Um Otherwise, they'll become Arsenal, won't they? No, I don't think. I I wonder under Sarri, and I wonder he it, he might become he might end up making the team so fluent that uh, you don't miss him as much if they sold him. At the moment, he is so terrific that uh, you can't really imagine how the team would play well without him. But um, I watched Napoli the other night; they're still a force to be reckoned with, and they haven't got a, a hazard type player. And I think the uh, the board, i.e. Roman, would be very keen on buying somebody um, of immense brilliance to replace him. Um, and then perhaps possibly not. They might just buy another £80 million player. But um, it's uh, it's a tricky one, isn't it? It's a tricky one. I've got no idea who is good enough at the moment to, uh, to replace him. I can't think of anybody comparable. Who is there who is as uh, brilliant at... Um, running a game and beating players and uh, scoring goals. What about Mbappe? I don't think he's as good. I don't think he's as good as Hazard. But yes, he's a he's a decent enough player that you could get, but they're not willing to... PSG won't sell him, though. Will I mean, you might. Never, you never know. He might be the player to, to have a go at, to, to get to get in. Because what, how old is he, 18? He might be the... Uh, Young. He might be the replacement. Yeah, but he, he still, to me, isn't as skillful as... Um, a possibility, I suppose. But uh, once again, I've, I've got faith in Sarri. I think that he might make uh, any team that we have into a, a world beater. Brilliant, JK. Right, now the, the bloody thing's gone. Uh, I've got to kind of sort this out uh, because they're, they're writing so many things on Mixler that I, I, I can't keep up. The next one is my six-year-old. Thank you. Yeah. This is for you anyway, so well done. My six-year-old son, Jesse, has JT's number on his kit. We are listening together. Language, Alexander. Can you wish him luck this weekend's game? Good luck, Jesse, and don't repeat anything I say in front of Daddy. Uh, very good advice, Jesse, and well done. Good luck, mate. Well, I'm glad you're wearing a JT shirt. That's quality. Good you want to wish, the, wish, it, wish Jesse good luck, Joe and uh, Jonathan? Good luck, yeah. Jesse. Good luck, yeah. definitely, yeah. Marvellous. Now, I do remember that uh, John Chips... I, for some reason, I can't scroll down the Mixler thing, which is really annoying. But anyway, I remember that John Chips Chiverton asked whether we will be doing uh, another meet-up with uh, the London is Blue podcast boys, uh, you know, probably the Atlas or somewhere, I suspect. Uh, well, they are coming over. I was on their show, actually, last uh, last weekend, and they're coming over uh, over the Christmas... Pe- well, over the New Year period, actually. I think they're... They're intending to go to the Palace away game and the Southampton home game on New Year's Day. 
Uh, and if I'm around, I will definitely be there and we'll do a bit of a mashup pod. But annoyingly, uh, as you all, all know, if you listen to the show regularly, we tend to bugger off for two weeks over the Christmas and New Year period so that I can have a break and actually see my family. So it will very much depend on that, I'm afraid, But uh, and whether I'm in London or not. So we shall see. But I, I really hope so because they're great fun. It's always great to see those boys, of course. So there you go. Uh, I'll keep you posted. There's no doubt they will as well. Chicago um, massive in town next week or week after. Yeah, Alex, what's the next question up from uh, Chips? Uh, question. Aurelius coming over in March. My wife isn't a True Blue member. What's the easiest way to get two tickets? Let me know the game, um, and I should be able to sort it out for you. Yeah. Okay. Well, the official answer, Mark, is you know the best thing to do oh, really is. is is it oh tough? Well, the walls at home will be all right, but yeah, yeah. I mean, look, it, it's ne- it's not easy, mate. That's the trouble. I mean, particularly if you're abroad. I mean, you need to be, you know, if you're abroad, you need to be uh, joint. Well, if you're in America, get hold of CFC in America. If you're over here, you need to be a member, and then you're in potluck land. Uh, the ticket exchange is always good, particularly for the games that uh, are less popular. Uh, and then as a last resort, just keep in touch with us a lot because we, we have a lot of people who we know on Twitter who often have spares going. Uh, we can't guarantee it, but we'll always try hard because we love you to pieces and that's what we like to do. Next one, Alex? It's for you. This is a you question. From oh, Bonnie Rig Blues. Do the panel think the redevelopment of Stamford Bridge will ever happen? I was so looking forward to going to the new ground in four or five years' time, but I think I'll never see it in my lifetime after Romeo did it. Oh, well, I'll take this one. I actually think it might, Bonnie Rig. Um, I, I really have no reason to believe that it won't. Don't believe everything you read in the in the papers. Um, you know, Roman, for example, was always looking for investment into the stadium. He never intended to put his hand in his pocket for the whole thing. Um, if you remember the hoo-ha about Kennedy and why that was seen as so appalling what he did was because he upset the Chinese and Roman, I think, was talking to the Chinese about some investment then. So I think I think whilst there are clearly issues between Russia and the government at the moment and uh, Roman is being singled out as a fool guy for that, uh, I think that uh, genuinely the investment climate isn't quite right at the moment, and I know that there are delays for other reasons too. But I, I, I'm I'm still very very hopeful. So, you know, watch this space. Right, I think we probably have to wrap that up now. But guys, finally, 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 we've managed to actually answer some of your questions. So well done. I like this. You see, I really like doing this. I'll dedicate a whole part to it when we're bored. And we haven't got anything else to talk about. Right. Okay. Uh, Enough of that. Just a quick reminder, of course, uh, Chelsea Fancast Love Sports Show uh, on the radio uh, on Friday every week. Uh, it's between 7 o'clock and 9 p.m. This week with Jonathan, Dan Silver and Aaron Paul. I will not be there because I have to be in Winchester this weekend. Uh, but they'll be talking all things Chelsea and no doubt being forced to watch and talk about the England-Croatia match, which I believe is being played behind closed doors. Yeah, I'm what right. is that about? I think Croatia have probably been racist oh. to, to people or something. They usually are, aren't they? 
But uh, anyway, bottom line is uh, that'll be on while they're doing the show and knowing Love Sport, they'll want them to talk about it. But knowing Dan and Jonathan, they will professionally watch the England match, comment on that and talk about Chelsea. So there you go. And bear in mind, it's me that's doing the running order and I shall I shall feign no knowledge of the England game. So I shall script it all Chelsea. Anyway, the best thing is that you can phone in. Please phone in. We've had Mark from Cincinnati phoning in for the last couple of weeks, haven't we, Jonathan? And he's been brilliant. Absolutely wonderful. Yeah, terrific. Yeah, please phone in, guys. It, it's um, the more we phone in, the better. You can you can air any view you've got, and, and and we'll hardly say anything if you like. We're quite happy to do it that way. Yeah, absolutely. But please phone in. We love it when you do. It makes the show so much better. Uh, anyway, the number is oh two oh eight seventy twenty five five eight, and of course you can listen to the show on five five eight a.m. and on uh, digital radio. Uh, stations and uh, also on the internet uh, at lovesportradio.com and radio player and tune in etc etc it's jolly good I commend it to you Uh, there may or may not be a Kerry Dixon show this Thursday Uh, it won't be Thursday that's for sure because I've got to go up to London I've got a meeting would you believe on behalf of the supporters trust with uh, the Premier League uh, Richard Scudamore et al so I'm not available on Thursday but I might well try and grab his Kerryness on uh, on Friday, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Uh, now, uh, Patreon, uh, don't forget, if you like what we do uh, and you want to support us, you know, give us a few pennies to help cover the costs uh, and uh, all of that kind of thing, we have a Patreon website. So uh, many people do, and we're very, very grateful for the fact that they do. You can donate as much or as little as you want. I mean, I always kind of equate it to the fanzine, really. You pay a quid for the fanzine. So a dollar a show, about $5 a month. But really, there is no pressure. You've, you feel free to do whatever you want. We, we, we think nothing less of you if you don't. We love you anyway. Uh, and it's at patreon.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. And one of the benefits of this is that I came up with a rather splendiferous idea not so long ago about how can I spend the Patreon money in a way that says a massive thank you to the Patreon supporters, which the, which is visible, that they can see this every game that they watch on the telly or or there at the the stadium for and the answer to that question was i know why don't we do a kerry dixon banner because kerry's kind of quite associated with the show now and weirdly he doesn't have a banner which i thought was disgraceful and i can exclusively reveal to you that on the 20th of october which is the man united game the boys from chicago blues who have helped to organize this banner uh have uh, will be it will be unfurled i believe it will be on the uh you know in the matthew harding upper the kind of the middle bit of that where all the banners go dj has uh, saved us a space and the Kerry banner is going to go there. So bravo. there you go. Pa- bravo. Yeah, bravo indeed. Now, Patreon people, and this is another thing, actually. So this is a trick I've learned off the London is Blue Boys. Um, you can communicate with me uh, via Patreon because, of course, I have the app on my phone. So if you want questions in the show, you know, rather than an email, just a quick question to kind of plug that I can put into the body of the show, stick it on Patreon, and I will make sure it gets in. And the other thing uh, is that uh, I will send you guys an exclusive first look at the Kerry Dixon banner. So you'll actually see what it's going to be before anybody else does, and then you can see it for real in the stadium. There'll be more news on this as well. There's some other exciting things that I'm planning with that too. So there you go. So get your messages on Patreon if you want them in the show. Look out for the Kerry Dixon banner. You paid for it. Thank you very much. And finally on Patreon, Alex. 
I know. I feel like guilty mentioning it now since I've been called out for begging. But um, yeah, obviously I write. For you know what they say, Alex? Rock. Beggars can't be choosers. Wasn't the nicest comment I've ever had. But yeah, so I have a Patreon page now because uh, over the last five years I've basically worked for nothing. And uh, it gets a bit old after a while. If you do like the blog, um, as you said, you can communicate on Patreon as well. And uh, if you do a certain tier, I'll give you a copy of the book at the end of the season and stuff. But it's just the equivalent of a, of a gin and tonic a month, basically. Lovely. In for cup tickets, which Make sure you support Alex because, I, as you know, even though she forgets to put it up on the Chelsea Fancast website <laughs> uh, and, and, and puts it everywhere. In fact, Alex puts her blog up even uh, in the undiscovered places of the Amazon rainforest. But apart from that, A, I love her, and B, her blogs are the best thing that I've read this side of whatever. I mean, I, I've described her as the Hunter S. Thompson of football writing. And... Uh, she is brilliant. She's a genius. So it's well worth you donating to help her do that. She deserves a bit of help. Uh, right. Uh, talked about the uh, Supporters Trust a minute ago. Um, don't forget you can join the Trust and get your voice heard by the club. Free to join up to be a member. Absolutely free. No problem. You just sign up. But if you want a nice shiny badge and you want to be able to vote uh, at the uh, elections and attend our meetings, then it's a fiver. Five quid a year. It's pretty cheap, really. You barely get a pint of beer for five quid these days. Anyway, sign up at ChelseaSupportersTrust.com. Uh, they're also on Twitter at Chelsea S Trust. And uh, I have an announcement to make, which is, well, the elections, as you know, have been held. We've all been elected. And uh, we had a board meeting last week, and I have been re-elected as chairman for another year, my third year. So thank you to everybody who voted in the elections and to the board for uh, electing me to that responsibility. And we have our first special general meeting of the year on the 20th of October, after the Man United game at 3.30pm. Open to all meetings. Three cheers for Chidge. Hip, 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 hurrah. Hip, 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 Lovely. Absolutely. All hail. All hail the Chidge. Anyway, uh, CFC UK, you can get it at the stall on a match day or from any of the sellers on a match day, home or away. And of course, you can subscribe. If you, can get, if you can't get CFC UK in person, you can always get it digitally by subscribing online at cfcuk.net. And if you're in the USA, follow Twitter account at CFCUKUSA. And if anyone is interested in getting a, a CFC UK uh, copy, I think a proper copy, that is, you can contact Dan Lundberg on Twitter. And he's at, at dlundberg underscore. Now, finally, on the little shout-outs, if you want to own a little bit of Chelsea and protect the future of the club, go and buy a share in the Chelsea pitch owners who own the freehold of Stamford Bridge. And his aim it is to ensure that Chelsea Football Club will remain playing at football, football at Stamford Bridge. To find out how to buy a share, you just email info at chelseapitchowners.com or check out the website it's on chelsea fc's official website just put pitch owners in the search follow them on twitter at pitch owners the shares are incredibly uh inexpensive these days you can get one for about 25 quid or so so they're well worth investing in that and then you can say you own a bit of stanford bridge right that i'm afraid is about all we've got time for tonight uh we'll be back uh next no, he won't be back next Monday, actually, because it's international break. So no show next Monday. We've all got the week off. Hurrah! Uh, but we'll be back the following No, Monday, surely, Chidge. Boo! No, no, hurrah. Uh, I get a break. They're going to be in Texas. Woo! Good for you. You know what? There's only two things that come from Texas, Alex. What's that? Steers and queers. Oh.
No, I'm not going to do the rest of the line. Anyway, uh, have a great time in Texas, Alex. Boys Listen, with honor... guitars and booze. Excellent. Yes, indeed. Now, as I said earlier on, Love, Love Sport Radio Show this Friday with Jonathan and Dan and Aaron Paul. Not me. Maybe a Kerry show. So look out for those. They're all, they all go up as podcasts, as you know. So that'll be jolly good fun on all the usual platforms. You can follow us on Twitter at Chelsea Fancast, me at Stanford Chidge, Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd, Alex at CFC uh, GWLB, and Joe at Joe Tweedy. And of course, check out the uh, Chelsea Fancast website at ChelseaFancast.com and read all the lovely blogs by all of our lovely bloggers, to whom I am immensely grateful. Thank you very, very, very much. Right, that is about it, I think. Uh, Joe, have you had a good time tonight? Yeah, it's been great, Trish. It's been good fun. Good stuff. Lovely to see you. And uh, as I said, it, it may it may be your last show for a while. So good luck with what you're doing on a Monday evening. And hopefully uh, let me know when you're free. Just let me know when you're free and we'll get you back as soon as we can because we absolutely love having you on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your great knowledge. Yeah, he's so so knowledgeable. Unlike, I mean, you know, me, I just go to the games to get drunk because everybody knows. So there you go. Uh, Jonathan, as always, you've been a superstar. Oh, thank you very much. Lovely to have such... Brilliant company as always, it is, and, isn't it? Uh, yeah. and I like the uh, the the Mixler questions. In fact, we could do the whole show based on Mixler questions, couldn't we? Really? Yeah, we could. Although we could. he would yeah. prefer to be referred to as the King of Smarties. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, maybe, 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 maybe I'll rethink doing next week because everybody's available next Monday as as opposed to this Monday when nobody was. But I'm kind of liking the idea of a break, really. But anyway, we shall see. Uh, Alex, as always absolute pleasure to have you on the show uh and have you enjoyed it i have muchly good good lovely stuff well on that happy note uh just a quick thank you to everybody in mixler who has uh manfully listened for the entire two and a bit hours of this show you're all troopers we love you lots have a great great week enjoy the international break with no football tee and uh, we will reconvene when there's some proper football on show such as chelsea we'll see you all then Thank you for listening. See you next time. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it chels. After chels! It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.